Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS3. On RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. So Fernando Alonso reckons the rain is coming. There is no sign of that above Spa-Francorchamps right now. The shadows are lengthening, but the sunshine is rather impressive, really. And just like it was at 1.30 this afternoon in Spa when the race began. And battling continues for second position in GT Pro. A Ferrari all over the back of a Porsche. So this is Pierre Guidi trying different lines from the man in front of him, Richard Leitz. But uh, no reward from that. The Porsche stays in front for the time being. Over half distance in such a kind of incident-fueled race. I think that's a major milestone for everyone. They're going to feel like they're on the back nine now, finally. It feels like it's taken an age to get there. Well, it just feels, as I say, this, as though this race has gone on for two days on separate planets. <laughs> because, I mean, it was so, so wet. And you actually have to take your hat off to all the drivers. I mean, conditions were beyond foul. And yet, by and large, apart from many going up the escape road, some going a little bit straight on at La Source and others uh, at, uh, up at the uh, Corb at the top of the hill, it really did keep it on the island incredibly well. Little bits of contact, but that was as much in the dry in the first couple of laps. They were jostling for position particularly in GTE Pro, but it seems a very long time ago that one of the drives of the race, Guido van der Garde, going from sixth in P2 up to the lead of the class in one lap at the start of the race. But right now it's settling down all over again. Still drivers setting fastest laps. I'm keeping an eye at the moment. Sergei Sirotkin is just suddenly stuck in a very quick a very quick lap in the number 17, the second, second place of the SMP racing entries. Sissico and Vitaly Petrov is now up into second place overall. But uh, certainly, uh, since getting on board, Sirotkin has done a very, very tidy job in that second car. But right now, it's the best part of two minutes, the gap between first and second place, between Kazuki Nakajima in that number eight um, Toyota and the number 11 SMP racing entry. So uh, going the right way for if you're a Toyota fan. But uh, behind, I think the order could change really quite comprehensively in all the classes. But right now, Alex Lynn doing a stellar job uh, to pull clear in GTE Pro for Aston Martin. Yeah, Alex just pitting on that lap and the 97 comes in along with the 91 Porsche. So that will actually leave Alessandro Pierguidi briefly out front and then in turn the 51 Ferrari will pit of course as well. Uh, Jose Maria Lopez back into the race in the number seven Toyota. So uh, let's see how quickly that Toyota can work its way back up the order. Have Toyota solved the problem, whatever it was? And hopefully we will find out in due course exactly what the drama was for seven. But I think pretty much the, that's the race victory gone out of the window. Question is, can they now get back into the that uh, bulk of LMP1 traffic at the head of the order and try and earn as many points as possible? 75 laps completed then for the race leaders, who are also the championship leaders. Remember, it was Nakajima and Alonso and Buemi who came here with a... 15-point lead over Jose Maria Lopez, Kamui Kobayashi and Mike Conway. That was extended yesterday, uh, or rather condensed yesterday, with a pole position for the number seven car, uh, but looking like it will be the eight that outscores the seven this weekend. Still 39 points on offer at Le Mans, though. 38 for the race win and the pole position point 
for qualifying that takes place on Thursday of that week, of course, or sort of Wednesday and Thursday combined. Now, one little thing I've been looking at, the tortoise might be nose to tail out, out on the track. Sorry, I've just uh, glanced at the screen and got that all wrong. But I was about to bring a point. I was talking about um, the Bicollo's entry. Yes. Spent forever being rebuilt in the pits. Out on the track, it's lapping in two minutes and five which isn't really enormously competitive, but it's out there running. And, and they did state, Tom Dillman, when he got out of uh, the car after that uh, collision that put it off the track, um, that it was all about getting mileage this weekend anyway. Well, that certainly forced their hand on that. So Oliver Webb now going around, still in last place. But he's got to find, I think, a mere 24 laps. Is he? So, no, um, 34 laps to get up with the car in 33rd position, which is Dempsey Proton Racing. Porsche with uh, Gianluca Roder on board but uh, or it might be Giorgio no Gianluca was at the wheel when it uh, went off the circuit but the good news is uh, uh, by Collis they're still out there running my screen says Roder Junior if only I'd so known that with, if only I'd known that when Gianluca was at the wheel because it didn't say senior of course it just said G Roder yeah. uh, Giorgio the son of Gianluca so that's the confirmation that it will be Giorgio driving at the moment in the 88 um yeah, 205.4, the CLM's last lap. It's best lap of the race, only a 204.5, which is more like LMP2 pace. Yeah. Uh, now, admittedly, a lot of those laps were done in wet weather conditions, and, of course, it will have been in traffic in the early stages when it was dry for that sort of five-minute window we had at the start of the race. So probably never got to a point in the race where it could have gone faster than 204.5. Let's see what Ollie Webb can do. Probably just about the fastest driver of the three assigned to that car and also many many hours of running that Webb has done behind the wheel of that uh, CLM with a brand new engine this weekend as we've mentioned the TDS racing car with an ambitious manoeuvre up the inside of the Cinetech machine now was that for position yes it was uh, no hoping no. Tong is now ahead of Thierry yeah. on the road he'd been hunting him down for, for quite some while yeah but I reckon that was probably Perodo actually making an overtake on Pierre Thierry which was not for position. Uh, there's a lap between them, but Perodo, yeah. Having got past, is uh, rocketing away, so I don't know if Thierry's son to run in tyre trouble. Is that definitely the 28, the yellow and black car, or is that the 38 machine? I'm now struggling to work, work out which is which. Um, Let's take a look when it comes back into view. 37 is definitely carrying the traditional Jackie Chan DC Racing livery. Pastor Maldonado becomes the new fastest driver in LMP2, by the way. 204.1 now is the marker to beat in the secondary category in prototype. Yeah, he's, a, he's about a minute and a half, minute and 20 seconds down on Joe Van Uta, but uh, at least it's a feather in the cap for Dragon Speed, their sister car, the P1 car. Um, of course, didn't get to start the race, missing, didn't have enough parts for that, following its rebuild after Sebring, so that was uh, withdrawn. Five seconds added to the next pit stop of car number 37 for non-compliance. That's the of uh, the full-course yellow ruling, and that's the car driven by David Heinemar, Hanson, Jordan King, and Will Stevens. But also drive-through penalties for the GTM leader, Matt Griffin, Clearwater Racing. The 61's going to have to do a drive-through for not respecting the full-course yellow procedure. Likewise, car 29, which is the... Racing Team Nederland, Nick de Vries driven Delara. That's going to have to come through pit lane. As is the number 11 car, 
And these are all been announced in the last few minutes. Number 11 is the second-placed machine, okay. SMP Racing. Well, there we have it, Vitaly Petrov at the wheel. But I think all these problems were actually when the previous drivers, the previous incumbents were on board, but uh, the damage will be done. So second place, that is interesting, number 11, SMP Racing. In fact, the better of the, Petro of the SMP Racing cars is the one in, now in, still in fifth place, going faster in the hands of Sergei Sirotkin. Problems for Petrov coming up, certainly will drop him back down the order because the car in behind is the number three Rebellion, and that's only 11, 12 seconds down the track in third overall, so that position will change. And the battle going over the line now between Matthias Lauda and Jörg Bergmeister should become the race lead in GTE AM because the car ahead of these two, Matt Griffin in the Clearwater Ferrari, is going to have to pit for a drive-through penalty. Number, so, number 11's already come in for that one for Vitaly Petrov. So that should have the number three rebellion up into second place overall. Yeah. OK. So but concentrating on this battle between 98 and 56. Which way is it going to go? Jörg Bergmeister versus Matthias Lauda. Bergmeister just a little bit quicker onto the Kemmel straight. They're virtually neck and neck as they reach the end of this long, long straight and head into the braking area for Le Carm and Bergmeister takes it. Second place on the road, but this will evolve into the race lead for GTE AM. That's a crucial overtake from Bergmeister. Again then, Team Project 1 performing splendidly, not only in this race in isolation, but also in the championship. Two hours and 47 minutes still to go and lots more to unfold, you sense, not least in GTE AM. And the fourth place car in AM. Now, is Charlie Eastwood close enough to maybe benefit from a podium position? I wonder, because of Matt Griffin... So we'll wait and see whether that's the case. Um, but, yes, TF Sport, Charlie Eastwood, the Aston Martin, makes that two Astons in the top four, soon to be potentially the top three. Matt Campbell's at the wheel of the Dempsey Proton Racing Porsche. He's surely just about the fastest man out on track at this stage in his Porsche, although York Bergmeister will be running him close in the Team Project 1 uh, bumblebee-coloured machine. Antonio Felix de Costa in the BMW M8 is now the fastest driver in GT Pro. So these lap times are tumbling. Thomas Prining up to his old tricks as well, going quicker than anybody else in AM now in the Gulf Racing Porsche. Unfortunately for the Gulf crew, they're down in eighth place in, AM, uh, in the AM category. So quite a bit of catching up to be done there. Again, I'm just trying to gauge track conditions at the moment. It looks to be fully dry. The sun is shining. We have heard not so long ago from Fernando Alonso talking about how uh, the rain was due to be coming back. But I think maybe it's just the state of their tyres at the moment. They're just about a second or so off where they were you know, looking at the top half dozen cars a while back. Good lap there from Kazuki Nakajima. Two minutes, almost two minutes flat. Likewise, Nat Berton, second place for Rebellion. Also two minutes, no seconds under two minutes and one second, so going very well in second place. How far clear is he of uh, Vitaly Petrov? Well, listed as 13 seconds, but of course Petrov was just coming out, emerging from that drive-through penalty for SMP Racing, so maybe not entirely accurate that time. 
Fourth place, the second of the Rebellions. Fifth place, the second of the SMP Racing Chargers. With a Segai Sirotkins, yeah, running some very, very good laps there. Just two tenths off the pace of Kazuki Nakajima in the race-leading Toyota. So, yes, again, worth reiterating how the gap between the Toyotas and the rest has continued to come down, come down, and maybe some more for Le Mans. Almost a very big and costly mix-up at the end of the lap between Harry Tinknell's Ford and the 29 Delara, Nick de Vries. Nick trying to get into the pit lane, but he was on the left side of the Ford, and the Ford was trying to go through the corner and not pit, whereas Nick de Vries was trying to get into pit lane, and there was nearly contact between them, as one was on the outside line trying to get to the inside, and vice versa for the Ford. Anyway, they did manage to untangle themselves without any contact, thankfully. But, uh, yes, one of those missed steps when you don't really know what the prototype is up to. And the Ford uh, was able to get in front. Unfortunately for Ford, they're still struggling. No, they're not. Once pro- oh, no, once in second, second place. place. How just, did that happen? <laughs> well, exactly. I can tell you because it's only come into the pits three times. The rivals around it done about five. Olivier Pla, I was just actually scrolling down my screen thinking, OK, I can see down to eighth place. Uh, seventh place now in class is taking the wet. Yeah. Well, it must be ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth. Good grief. Second place. And how far down... On the air, of course, are 36 seconds down on uh, Alessandro Pierguidi, or is it James Collado? Because effectively the name Pierguidi has been on our screens since the very start of the race. The fact we've done three hours and uh, 16, 17 minutes in this race may well be that I, I was correct in my helmet identification when we last saw into their garage and saw a driver standing waiting to have a go. Yeah, Could I... it be Collado? That's the guesstimation at the moment. But it's very tricky to tell, isn't it? Because Pierre Guidi being shown at the uh, the wheel of the car all the time, so that will be correct at certain points in the race. Uh, I just wonder whether the AF course the Twitter feed will tell us a little bit more about that. I will have a look at that in the meantime. Uh, anyway, down the hill towards Puon Corner, and out the other side goes the battling GTE Am cars the 77 ahead of 54 so that's the scrap for fifth and sixth places Matt Campbell and Giancarlo Fisichella I'm sure offering very similar speed here the Ferrari having just been overtaken by the Enso CLM and down towards campus corner on towards Stavolo and Curve Paul Frere these two GT Am cars will be left to their own devices in a moment or two. But Campbell, I'm sure, making a little bit of ground on Charlie Eastwood. In turn, on Matthias Lauder, Jörg Bergmeister, yet to inherit the lead because we haven't yet seen the pit stop. I don't think we've seen the drive-through penalty for Clearwater Racing. No, we won't have done because that 61 car will disappear from the race lead, I'm sure. As a result, they are nursing, well, say nursing, they are enjoying a 40-second lead at the moment over the Team Project 1 Porsche. That is all set to change, though. Just had a very, very quick look. There's a, a graphic up on screen. It was a, a weather map. Keep an eye on that for Spa, but actually looks relatively static. Often when you look at the ones for Spa, it's like it's on fast-forward. Weather front's coming in super, super fast, almost always from the west. At the moment bluish skies if you look up through Eau Rouge towards Radion but uh, looks like it came in earlier in the race from the top end of the circuit the end around La Source and if you look that direction that's where the clouds are at the greyest but there is grey sky underneath right under the dark stuff so I think we'll be good for another half hour at least but uh, don't you feel Johnny this sort of race stinging the tail Foot number 66 Ford in the pits that was the one that went up to second place in the class Olivier Pla 
shares that with Stefan Muka. Latest tweet from Ferrari is that James Collado, 16 seconds ago, took charge of the 51 and his first time in the race. So it has been Pierre Guidi since the start. <laughs> Unbelievable. Maybe well, there's a special deal that uh, the, the driver who starts second is allowed a full lunch with a, with a <laughs> coffee afterwards and a, a cigar or something. Uh, no wonder he was grinning when the snow was hammering down. He was thinking, I'm two and a half hours away yeah. from doing any work here. Fantastic. Be, be balmy. I'll go, and, I'll go and watch the racing around the circuit. Oh, no, hold on. Don't want to walk out in that because it really was biblical rain. So, literally hit on lap two. Started in full sunshine. Lap two, full rain. Yeah. And Julie, James Collado's name has now appeared on our timing screen. So it was correct throughout. Incredible stint from Alessandro Pierguidi. And James Collado takes that car over then for the remaining two hours and 40 minutes. And be wonderful to have a look at the average lap times at the end of each of those two drivers' stints as well to see whether there was any difference between Alessandro Pierguidi's performance at the start of his day. 1.30 this afternoon and uh, just beyond 3.30 we're now at uh, at uh, well 4, 4.51 in uh, Belgium of course cracking stuff from the Italian driver there was also plenty of overtaking for him to do throughout as well now the James Collado driven Ferrari will tumble down to 5th place uh, who else is rejoining the race Olivier Pla having got up to 2nd position will rejoin in 8th position so that means Ford are now 6th and 8th. BMW are 7th and 10th. Aston Martin 1st and 9th. And that's mainly because the 95 car has had far too many problems and too many incidents um, to uh, Nicky Team and Marco Sorensen's liking, really. Certainly one of them, Nicky Team, tangled up with a prototype into La Source Corner. That was judged to be the fault of the Racing Team Nederland car. Alex Lynn, though, leading the way for Aston Martin. They still have a significant bullet in the gun regarding uh, a good result in pro this weekend. Seven seconds the margin over Davide Regon and a further second back to Ricard Leitz. Yeah, that seven-second gap was built up really remarkably quickly by Alex Lynn as the battling went on behind him. And at the moment, he's just comfortably able to gain half a second a lap doesn't have to you know he's really really looking good but like the sister car that too has slightly tattered front bodywork there, there have been blows in the GTE pro battle but that isn't, isn't something that's enormously uh, unusual but certainly looking at a, a, a flurry of replays great little battle for second in GTE pro Davide Regon in the Ferrari and uh, Richard Leitz in the Porsche Dicing for position, little run off the circuit there from the Porsche. The Ferrari gets back again, and battle is rejoined, and they will carry on doing the same things, cutting the corners at Speaker's Corner, down the hill to Pouan they go, and it's the Ferrari all over the tail of the Porsche. Last time round, it was the other way around. Two hours, 38 minutes to go, so the first opportunity for the man from Worcestershire, James Collado, to judge conditions up against... Kevin Estra and Richard Leitz. Estra has been out for a stint before, of course. But the track, I'm sure, has changed a great deal since he was last out there. And some moisture rising from the nose of the Ferrari across the screen. And greyer clouds now starting to arrive. We saw them in the distance, but there was lighter, lighter sky beneath them. But uh, now, at certain points on the circuit, they seem to be lower over the top of the trees. So how much longer until the rain returns? It does look as though it's coming. 
Kaz Nakajima in from the lead of the race. Likewise, Vitaly Petrov from third position. That was second, I think. So Nat Berton inherits second place. Definitely raining in the pits. It's, uh, mm. Wet weather tyres going on. I was wondering if they'd just come in a lap too early and suddenly the weather map, which seemed relatively static, has started to have a bit of a move on it again. So, But is this... A, let's swing the camera around. It's not that dark over La Source. I don't know how long it's going to stay wet. And it's not wet at the far end of the track yet. <laughs> mm. Don't forget, they're sitting on that uh, tidy lead, but uh, that means Nat Berton should actually take the lead of the race. The two SMP runners have also jumped, and at this time... They've got it right. They've, they've come in. They've jumped very early on. But now, proper rain at La Source. That was strange. All the tyres were done, but the airline remained in the side of the Toyota. And the mechanics sort of all looking around going, is that it then? Oh, yes, it is. But we haven't pulled the, the cord out. So finally, that was released from the car and it fell down to its uh, all four Michelin tyres on a fully sodden track now. Well, it's, got, it's gone from full dry to full wet. When I said it was raining in the pits, I thought it was light rain. But as soon as we saw the Toyota going down the slope, huge amount of spray, properly slick track. Not quite as wet up at Lecon, but uh, we will have cars going out the escape road there because last time around it was dry. This time it's wet. Not as wet as it is at La Source, but... Uh, like in the first few minutes of the race when it went from sunshine to full rain, it's happening very quickly. Will we have snow again? No, it's six and nearly seven degrees air temperature, whereas uh, the temperature we saw it drop from four to oh, three to two. Estra off the road, and Ricard Leeds isn't close enough to pounce, because, of course, when he got to Brussels corner, there was just as much grip as Kevin Estra found. Just couldn't turn his Porsche in, and Leeds can't do that at speakers either. Stay off the AstroTurf would be my advice, because we know what happened to Fernando Alonso earlier on when he caught that stuff that retains the moisture far more than the grass Crete, which is basically just green concrete. I mean, that still becomes very slippery and slidey because of the fact that uh, obviously that is shiny stuff. It's like the white lines at the edge of the track. So down towards Fania Corner goes this battle involving the Porsches and Estra's off again almost in the wall Kevin Estra goodness me this is a costly lap for the Porsches who have just about kept it out of the scenery but you just wonder what is ahead of them at Campus Corner well pit lane very very full anybody on the track is pulling into the pits absolute madness not to but ironically it's brightening up at La Source We've just heard news, uh, the number seven Toyota that had the race in the palm of its hand. Johnny just heard that it had sensor failure. One of those things it's hard to sense, but... Uh, what sensor is that? Do they carry oh, well, exactly. of One of how many? Yeah, mm. I, I, maybe that was part of the problem, was actually ferreting around to find out which component had gone. It might be that telemetry is being streamed back to the pit lane saying, stop the car, stop the car, the engine's about to blow, and actually it's a faulty sensor rather than... Uh, a problem in yeah. itself but um, yeah okay they were limited with options there as I said uh, and Toyota don't pull a car out of the race for no reason it is back into the race now uh, but 13th position for Jose Maria Lopez just done a stop and that will be to have switched to wet weather tyres I think we can safely say that everybody came in our timing screens have changed to one particular colour, which is uh, the colour of everyone being in the pit lane. So again, we've got the crowding problems here. We've had a couple of teams having to push one of their cars sort of into position, push it forward, push it backwards. Both the Ferraris may, of course, are in. And uh, while they're doing that, of course, the track became very, very wet very, very quickly. But I sense it's actually lightening up again. I think it was a, 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 
a flurry, but a very, very serious one at that. And certainly out around Eau Rouge and Radion, very slippery indeed. But uh, so tricky. There was so little graduation from full dry running to what very quickly became full wet. And now they've got to go through the, the cycle of it drying out again. It's still raining, but not as hard as it was when they started. Incredibly tough if you're driving a prototype to get the grip required through Eau Rouge. That massive compression and then up over the top of Radion when you are reliant on the, the air providing enough downforce and enough traction. But if you can't get up to the required speed because of the lack of grip beneath you, then the chances are you're going to have quite a big incident at uh, Eau Rouge and Radion. So far, so good. I tell, you who I, I tell you who I feel for. We had suddenly that the number 66 Ford go up to second in GTE Pro. It owed us a pit stop. It finally made the pit stop. Okay, but was put back up presumably onto dry weather tyres. Oh, no, yeah. And yeah. that suddenly down to ninth place in class and probably will fall to, to the bottom position if uh, Nicky Katzberg can uh, gain ooh, half a second, which he probably can. Yeah. Well, Pla came out and immediately fell to eighth. And he's lost a further position to. Well, there's actually been quite a bit of shuffling of the order there. It might be Sorensen who got ahead, actually. And Sorensen in that, uh, I was going to say, ailing 95 car. It's running all right just that some of the body panels don't snap together quite as well as they did at the start of the race now. And right behind the Porsche, uh, both of those cars touch the kerb on the exit of Speaker's Corner and a big wiggle from each of those cars. One uh, mid-engined, as the Porsche is these days, one front-engined, but that doesn't seem to matter when you get the tail slide on and uh, those rear or the rear right tyres scrambling around for grip, of which there is none on the... Uh, red and yellow painted kerb with this amount of rain. Nearly two and a half hours to go. Speeds significantly decreasing down towards Campus Corner. They were getting up to 180 kilometres per hour just before the breaking point for Campus in the dry. Barely get to 170 now. Third gear, fourth gear for the Porsche. And now motoring their way down towards Blanchemont Corner with Ferraris up ahead. So both AF Corsa Ferraris together on the road. That's Collado ahead of Regon. Then it's the Leeds Porsche. Then it's Sorensen. So that's 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th. I actually sense that it stopped raining again. I think it was a very quick flurry. The windscreen wipers are still blazing away, but I'm, it, it is brighter, Johnny. I know you look at me and think you are completely mad, <laughs> but it, it, it is brighter there, and I think they've only got the windscreen wipers on because they're in the spray of any cars yeah, ahead of them. You might have a point there. It's, again, depending on which part of the circuit you're on. I'm talking about the part around uh, La Source and the pit complex. Yeah, it's... Where the rain hit first to me, it's then moved on to the far end of the circuit to Les Combes, Rivage, or Bruxelles, as it's now now called, in the ever-changing corner names of Spa-Francorchamps. Certainly looking a little brighter at La Source Corner, but the windscreen wipers in full action over Radion and through the right-hand kink that leads this GT battle pack onto the Camel Strait. Still a couple of Ferraris ahead of a Porsche and a, an Aston. And that is 5th, 6th, 7th and 8th, as I say, with Sorensen at the back of the order. A very dog-eared Aston Martin now that he controls. GT Pro, though, led by the other Aston Martin of Alex Lynn, number 97, ahead of Harry Tinknell. So all of a sudden, I mean, one Ford looks to be in a dreadful state, and then the other one is in second. 
look again at the timing screen 15 minutes later and they've switched positions. Yeah, I know. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Are they sixth and eighth in Greece? No, they're second. No, that was the other one. uh... (laughs) So Tignall's gone from something like eighth place up to second in the latest uh, wave of pit stops. And, yeah, the big loser was Olivier Pla, who is now last. He's been overtaken by Nick Katzberg in the BMW. So that Ford, maybe it is on the wrong tyres. 66 stone last now in pro. But really, in GTE Pro, it, it varies between Porsche against Aston Martin and now it's uh, Porsche against Ferrari. But of course, it's being led by the Aston Martin. But Alex Lynn is sitting on a very tidy advantage. 14 seconds over Harry Tinknell. And Harry's got six and a half seconds over the BMW of Antonio Felix da Costa. But in terms of the race action, it's the battle for fourth place. Kevin Estra, James Collado and David Rigal. So Porsche and the two Ferraris... And then in behind, uh, Richard Leitz as well. So he's tucked in. There's the battle. Again, the order keeps changing. And again, the sky goes from light to dark, back to dark. Again, still dark. Almost charcoal-coloured clouds over Spa-Francorchamps. But there's white cloud as well. I know you have to talk about the weather a lot. Just think how the drivers feel. They, they never know what they're going to get from one lap to the next. And still having to really tiptoe around. Whether it stopped raining or not. Now it's full sunshine on the start-finish straight. So maybe I was right in that supposition. But give them five minutes, it'll be back to shade again. And possibly more rain. But right now, overall leading the races, Toyota Kazoo Racing. No enormous surprise. But Kazuki Nakajima leading by... Oh, best part of a lap. In fact, a full lap over Vitaly Petrov for SMP Racing. Then come the two rebellions. Nat, Nat Berton and Bruno Senna, who's now got aboard at the number one. Sergei Sirotkin had been lapping well. In fact, he's lapping faster than uh, everyone bar the sister car. No, sorry, SMP Racing in second place is second fastest, but Sirotkin going very well in fifth place. Just trying to work out whether Matt Griffin's been in for the drive-through that the 61 car had to serve. It's now got six pit stops to its name, and amazingly, 54 seconds ahead of everybody else. You... There is a time limit as to how long you have to serve that penalty. Normally it's three laps, I thought, or if not five. But uh, 61 has one more pit stop to its name, but I think that was when it all, when it came in with the rest of the GTs to switch tyres when it started to pelt with rain. BMW versus Porsche is the 92 Porsche versus Antonio Felix de Costa in the 82 BMW. So the battle for third and fourth well and truly livening up with the Porsche almost disappearing behind the BMW there. And roof lines are similar, but obviously the BMW is slightly bigger car. The Porsche seems more nimble at Fania Corner and is able to pick off Antonio Felix da Costa. But the BMW is incredibly strong down the straights and we're about to head now to a very fast, not quite a straight, but uh, full commitment Blanchemont Corner. So can the BMW maybe get some of that ground back again I don't think so for the specific reason that last time around Kevin Estra was three and a bit seconds faster in the space of one lap so not only has he got past the BMW Antonio Felix de Costa fought really hard to try and keep him back great for us to watch and people all around the world but uh, the sheer pace of the uh, Porsche at the moment makes it uh, very easy indeed for well, Kevin Estra I'm not sure it's pace I think it's just oh, it's the fact that it's, it can get through the corners better the BMW was definitely closing in on the run down to Blanchemont there was a bit of a shove there as well from Estra but uh, I mean it is pace yes through the twiddly bits but if you put the two side by side down the Kemmel I think the BMW would actually win the fight it could do but there just seems to be so much more traction and road holding from Kevin Estra maybe he, he, he's tired 
cars are at a, at a better place as the track changes lap by lap. It seems like we just keep talking about the same thing. But we are. Is it getting wetter? Is it getting drier? How close are you? But having got ahead of the BMW into that third position in GTE Pro, Kevin Estra is rocketing away. He is now, yeah. And uh, clear air ahead of him as, headed, as he heads to Eau Rouge and Radion Corner. Again, the other Porsche almost overlapping this time a Ferrari in the hands of Davide Rigon. So 71 versus 91 is the battle for 6th and 7th in GT Pro. The Ferrari all over the curve at Radion. That actually slowed it down, if anything. Now, is it going to be a sitting duck? No pun intended in this weather conditions. Uh, down the Campbell Strait. Porsche to the outside. So the Ferrari sensibly locking the car to the right-hand side, drivers right into Lecom, meaning it's in full defensive mode. I thought the Porsche was thinking about rotating there in the wet weather conditions, not quite. Hanging on to it was uh, Leitz, and the, now the run out of Lecom, down towards Bruxelles corner. Porsche still can't get through, even though it looks a little bit more racy. But the metronome continue, continues, the pendulum continues to, to swing because uh, this trio, the two Ferraris and Richard Leeds, are lapping faster than any of the other cars in GTE Pro and yet they're in 5th, 6th and 7th positions so it gives us the scope for them all to close in they're certainly lapping slightly faster than uh, Alex Lynn is, he's leading by 14 seconds for Aston Martin he's 15th overall, car in 16th, 2nd in GTE Pro is Harry Tignall they're both lapping in the 2 minute 35s but the chasing packs low 2 minute 34s so we could have the whole thing concertinaing again, which is pretty much how it's been all race in GTE Pro. Comparing the Sector 1 times between Kevin Estra and Antonio Felix de Costa, they're more or less neck and neck. I mean, Estra did win the race to the end of the Camel Straight by a tenth of a second, but the bulk of the, the loss for the BMW is in the middle sector where all the corners are. So Bruxelles, Speakers, Puan, Fania... That BMW just can't get through that technical part of the lap anywhere close to how, how the, uh, the Porsche is managing it. Now, it might be that they're on different, slightly different fuel strategies. Who knows what sort of tyres the BMW is on. But definitely the Porsche winning this portion of the race compared to the BMW. And now what can Estra do about Harry Tinknell, who is only three and a bit seconds further up the road? Tignal no response or no reply to Alex Lynn because the pro leader is 16 seconds to the good over the Ford GT. But I think we'll have a fight for second place in category very shortly indeed. LMP2, by the way, headed by Hoping Tongue. And that car, number 38, is 4.3 seconds in front of Nicolas Lapierre. Those two cars just over the line now. So Orica 07 leads... Orica 07, although badged an Alpine A470 for Signatech. And they are the championship rivals, 38 and 36. So great to have those two duking it out for the race win. The Aurus, which was dominant in qualifying yesterday, third, uh, but many, many seconds behind the leading duo. Kaz Nakajima leading the race is having time taken out of him by the next four runners. Both of the SMP racing cars and the Rebellions were quicker last time around, some by as much as two and three quarter seconds. So Vitaly mm. Petrov taking little chunks out but I think it's still a comfortable lead for Kaznakajima but uh, don't forget the sister car pulled out with a going really well leading the race, looking comfortable then suddenly in the space of no time at all. A failure brought it in, they didn't know what it was discovered it was a sensor and that number seven Toyota parked up 
with uh, Jose Maria Lopez not getting a go until finally they got it sorted. He's back out on the track, down in 12th place overall. How's he lapping? Faster than anyone on the track, 2 minute 19. So the pace is still there for the number seven. They've rediscovered it. Additions keep on changing, but uh, all they can do is just try and see how far up the order they can get. But they're fully let's do the math, six, five, six laps down on the race leading sister car. So uh, a tale of two cars two very mixed fortunes it looks though today was the day of the number seven crew comprising Mike Conway who started Kamui Kobayashi who took over and then Jose Maria Lopez but then the pendulum went away from them um, I'm being told the 61 Ferrari has served its uh, drive-through penalty and I thought that it would have had to have done by this point uh, so to have served an, an extra pit stop an extra I mean it wasn't a stop go it was a drive-through but still, that costs you time, and that Ferrari still leading the class by 52 seconds. Unbelievable. That, that, that really is extraordinary, especially as uh, pretty much throughout the race, the uh, Team Project 1 Porsche seems to be making moves on everybody. Black and yellow Porsche always right in the hunt, but uh, maybe judicious timing of a pit stop really helped the uh, Clearwater Racing crew. They're a team that likes to, have, uh, likes to do well in motor racing. Of course they all do. They're all out there. But I just love their enthusiasm when they land a big result in the World Endurance Championship. You know, a real case of teams from uh, South East Asia getting their teeth stuck into the World Championship, not just playing on the fringes, but playing at the top table. And they've, they've very much been a welcome addition over the past two or three years. That car started by Lewis Perez Compank and Matt Griffin has been at the wheel for a fairly long time. We also had Matteo Cressoni, so we've had all three drivers. I just wonder whether Compank might be due back in that car at some point. Just trying to work out exactly why the car has such a big lead. Unless the safety cars played nicely into its hands, of course. And uh, we'd have to revisit the race afterwards to work out exactly where that car was around the track when the two safety car in interventions happen but um, with Matt Griffin being in this early on in the race still with 2 hours and 18 minutes to go I'd imagine he can't therefore take it to the finish and will have to step out to give more drive time to either Crisoni or to Compank we'll wait and see but that will obviously mean that the rest of the AM field get a bit more of an opportunity to whittle down that lead which still stands at just under 50 seconds. York Bergmeister is second for Team Project 1, Charlie Eastwood for TF Sport is third and then it's Matthias Lauder in the Aston and Giancarlo Fisichella in the best of the, no the second of best of the Ferraris of course behind the Clearwater example so Spirit of Race are fifth then Matt Campbell, Olivier Beretta and Thomas Prining for Dempsey Proton Racing, MR Racing and Golf Racing, respectively. More pit stops. Actually, that was a long time ago, 15 minutes or so ago, for the uh, AM runners. So, Prining uh, leaving the pits, having been fuelled. Kaz Nakajima leads the way then on lap 91 now. And we still have two hours and a quarter to go. How's the condition of the track it's not raining anymore but still very wet even online and with everybody running again so the full complement of 34 cars out on track hopefully that shouldn't take too much longer for a dry line to start to emerge it's not just been the rain today it's been the fact that it's been cool 
to pull yeah. him hardly. When it got down to 1.8 degrees, I think anybody standing out around the track with the rain and even the snow coming down would agree it was cool. But it does make it very hard for this track to dry out. But, as Johnny says, with the full quota of all 34 starters out there playing, it should go back to having a dry line. I reckon about the next couple of laps. Easy for me to say, but for the drivers out there, they know the perils of running too close to the kerbing. We've been touching the curbing where the water still hangs and at different points of the circuit there's more grip than others. And certainly still at the top end of the Kemmel Strait up at Lekou, there is a, a lack, a general lack, lack of grip. That's where the, the rain is still falling or certainly the track is at its wettest. Often quite hard as the day becomes a little less light to gauge exactly what is happening. Normally a way that we can tell as commentators the weather conditions is the state of the camera lenses and if you've got raindrops providing they're new ones, it gives you a clue but a lot of these raindrops could have been there for a good hour or so, the camera crew is so busy trying to pick out the runners, but for most of the circuit there is a fair degree of sunshine now, lighting up the spray, actually making it even harder for some of the drivers to uh, to get through, to negotiate their way around, particularly in the faster cars coming past the GT cars, but I would say Johnny, drivers have been really very, very controlled today in terms of um, respecting the rain respecting the edges of the circuit and uh, not clattering into each other. We've had a couple of little contacts, but really that's that's nothing at this point in the World Endurance Round. Yeah, yeah it's true. I, I think that's partly uh, Eduardo Freitas' influence, though. You know, he's very careful during the whole of the weekend to police a race and the other sessions as carefully and as safely as possible. And, you know, that message sticks, particularly for most of these guys are World Endurance Championship regulars, so they know... The sensible things to do, particularly when it's pelting it with rain and snow. You, yes, you're racing hard, and no quarter asked or given, but you're also sort of looking out for one another too. You don't want to do anything stupid. I mean, that's been one of the, the great triumphs, if you will, over the last since 2012 with the foundation the formation of the World Endurance Championship is stability of crews from race to race. Yes, we have a little variation from the start of. Uh, 2018-2019 super season but uh, you know wind the clock back uh, when it was the World Sports Car Championship there were different combinations different crews mm. in every race I quite like the mixture but I can see the benefits of having a, a, a group of drivers that really get to know each other understand what it's like to be overtaken by a P2 car if you're in a GT car and how much space to give and vice versa but uh, yeah, while a lot of me pines for different faces in different places it's you could see the benefits because certainly had we had these weather conditions of the opening 10 minutes of the race where it went from dry to wet to full wet and then eventually onto snow we'd have had a lot of the sort of twice a year heroes um, getting it very wrong indeed particularly at a track like Spa Francorchamps. Yeah and we're in an era now where there are drivers that are that know the ACO championships inside and out and uh, I would say it's an elite club but it, I mean it does take a, a little bit of encouraging for those outside of the immediate umbrella to come racing. Once they do, they discover how great it is. And it's fantastic to have so, some young kids coming in from, from other single-seater campaigns realising that two-seater prototypes can be just as fun and as fast. And the racing can be very, very close. Just looking at the P2 battle, we had Hopin Tung getting into the lead of the class and pulling clear. But since Nicolas Lapierre took over the senior tech Alpine, he's caught and caught and caught. Last time round it was 1.4 seconds, first to second in class they're fighting over uh, sixth place overall but that matters not it's what happens in the P2 class and Lapierre is on a massive massive charge at the moment it's a question of when surely not if he's got right on the tail he's one car length behind yeah and that is definitely the 38 car I've been confused all race whether that was the 28 
or the 38, but that's Hoping Tongue in the black and yellow colours. So new Jackie Chan DC Racing livery with Nicola Lapierre right on his tail. 1.4 seconds it was at the start of the lap. It's much, much less than that now as they head down towards Puon surely and overtake. No, not quite. So running a little more deep into Puon Hoping Tongue. And he, he was able to find the required grip into the first part of that double left-hander. Meanwhile, the other Jackie Chan DC racing car in the more traditional livery comes down pit lane, and that is Will Stevens uh, making a regular pit stop. The 28 car uh, has been struggling so far in this race. Francois Perodo, who was one of the slower qualifiers yesterday, had to take part in qualifying in LMP2 because you have to use your silver driver in the allocation and then one of one of the gold or platinums that you have that makes up the rest of the lineup. So Perodo down there in sixth place. He was fighting with Will Stevens prior to the pit, the pit stop for the Brit. Down into the chicane goes this fight though for LMP2 lead honours and Hoping Tongue getting pretty good traction heading through the bus stop chicane and down towards La Source corner with the CLM also trying to get involved in this battle not for position because Ollie Webb is still right at the back of the time or right at the bottom of the timing screen and his big tail wag there from Ollie Webb as he applied the power so obviously no grip at all at the source once you get slightly offline. But it's so tricky when they get to that point of the circuit, going past the pits, they're into full sunshine, it stays with them until they've gone through Eau Rouge. But the track times, the lap times, the very best in the race we saw were sort of 1 minute 58s, 1 minute high 57s, but even the fastest cars, even the Kazuki Nakajima leading the race at 20 seconds off that pace. That just shows how slippery it is. But, of course, they're out there on wet weather tyres, not on slicks at the moment, so certainly they'd be a little bit away. But it's just, particularly once you get up to uh, Le Combe, very, very slippery up there. Now, in traffic, uh, hoping to get stole a bit of an advantage because, of course, the chasing Nicola Lapierre has been pulled off his tail by Ollie Webb going between them in the CLM. And the gap between first and second in the P2 class has suddenly started to open up with the intervention of that CLM. The CLM is way behind everyone else after spending three months and five days in the pits sorting out the, uh, the repairs. I'm sure Nicolas Lapierre, he caught Hoping Tong before, he'll do so all over again. But uh, right now the little battle for P2 honours has been split. And now Hoping Tong, the Chinese racer, are about to have Molly Webb try and go around the outside at Fania, but uh, when you've got a wet outer line, that might not be the thing to do. So heading now down towards Campus Corner and all of a sudden it looks like the Cinetech car has just run out of ponies briefly. The CLM's now ahead and this is giving Hoping Tongue a new lease of life. The five cars up ahead of this LMP2 fight are all LMP1s and that's Kaz Nakajima leading then on lap 95 ahead of Vitali Petrov. So that's not a Toyota you will note because the seven car with big dramas earlier on with a sensor, a faulty sensor that needed to be replaced. Is it wet everywhere? Is it still wet everywhere? It is quite dry from 13 to 17. There is still wet. There's another risk of shower in uh, 10 minutes. So that is Kazuki Nakajima communicating with the team, Toyota. 
some important information being sent back to Toyota regarding the track condition. Out of speaker's corner goes that Toyota then, leading, as I say, by a decent margin now over Vitaly Petrov. Nakajima versus Petrov then. Uh, get a time to you just as soon as we have it, but Petrov's not actually crossed the line again yet. Nat Berton in third position for Rebellion Racing, and Bruno Senna is in fourth spot in the number one car. And Berton... How many races has he done for Rebellion? This is his second brought into the fold for Sebring. And prior to that, it was Matthias Besch, wasn't it? Joining Tom Manorock and Gustavo Menezes. So, Berton with uh, maybe a, a bit of an audition ahead of next season, depending on Rebellion's plans. We should know quite a bit more about the, the lineup for the 2019-2020 season in the next few weeks. I have a feeling there's a deadline. I saw one as something like the 7th of May. May the 15th is a date there's that a 15th of May for as no well. reason comes into my mind. Yeah, but both dates that I've seen are within the next two weeks. Uh, one of which confirms, or the teams must confirm their driver lineup from the mall. For instance, BMW haven't announced any drivers yet for their uh, for their Being coy. campaign. Yes, indeed. I mean, there, there are with an entry, you have to put at least one driver alongside that. But of course, I don't think that's necessarily in stone, and they could change those plans later on. Uh, but also, then there, there are entries to be decided and to be confirmed for the 2019-2020 World Endurance Championship. Rain approaching again, just as we started to think the uh, track was drying. Drives reporting the run back from uh, bottom of the hill at uh, Campus up towards the end of the lap. That was dry, but the rest of the track still slippery. But more dark clouds assembling over the top of the circuit up at uh, La Source. So conditions continue to change. Toyota Gazoo Racing leading the way. Kaz Nakajima sitting on a laps advantage over the better of the SMP racing entries. And that's uh, Vitaly Petrov. Who's doing the chasing? P2, it's uh, Jackie Chan racing. And Nicola Lapierre, having got to within a second or so of Hopin Tung, is now 1.6 seconds back. So still giving chase for Senior Tech Alpine. But uh, it's ebbing, it's flowing. That's not just the weather, that's the racing. And a little earlier on, pit stops were being made in the dry. Uh, it's been a very busy weekend for mechanics, of course, so they were taking the opportunity for a snooze. And then all that changes uh, in the next few seconds is the weather and the rain starts to pound down. And that then changes the strategy once again. And the mechanics are called into action, sometimes from a deep slumber. Almost drifting its way through Puon Corner was the 95 Aston Martin just then. Two hours and six seconds, six minutes rather to go. And the 97 Aston Martin, that's the one with the in the uh, all new British racing green colours, but with the green detailing as well around the mouth, around the grille of the car and on the door mirrors. That car leads from number 92 Porsche, the 51 Ferrari and the 71 Ferrari. And in GTE Am, Clearwater Racing's Matt Griffin doing an incredible job, along with, uh, I think we should give probably more praise to Lewis Perez Compank and to Matteo Cressoni for getting that Ferrari into such a, a fantastic position. Um, 
my thanks to Paul Trustwell on this. Apparently, the 61s lead mainly due to the pace of Crisoni before Matt Griffin's stint. Bergmeister is now closing on Griffin. So, yes, that gap's come down to 42 seconds. It was as high as 53, I remember. So maybe Crisoni is the definition of the sneaky, the sneaky silver. Yeah, he stayed in the leader class for a long time. It's now down actually to 36 seconds as Bergmeister closes and closes. Very good. Screen. Why it doesn't tally with yours, I, I know not. But uh, Charlie Eastwood in the TF Sport Aston Martin, third in the GTE Am class, is another well, minutes, uh, 35 seconds behind. So 70 seconds covering the top three cars. Sense a little bit more rain on the exits of Raddy on so you get these flurries and it just is so difficult for the drivers. It sounds ridiculous, but literally every lap they're gonna realise they've either braked a little too early, given a little too much scope to a wet circuit, or not braked early enough. And go, we've seen lots of cars, particularly at uh, Lake Orme, going up the escape road when they found that uh, braking from nigh on maximum velocity just isn't really the thing to do when you need to get around that right hander. Yeah, more and more tyre being laid down onto a wet track surface, but nevertheless it does make uh, the racing line grippier, even in the wet. And there is a dry line now at Bruxelles corner, but the tail stepping out for the Porsche, which will be Richard Leitz, virtually with every corner. So Leitz having to input opposite lock to try and straighten up the Porsche at every opportunity looking grippier through Puon now and there's a definite dry line emerging out of that corner and on the approach to Fania but nevertheless that Porsche well maybe that's how Ricard Leeds likes it and Jimmy Bruni his teammate too but it's not on rails by any stretch the Porsche wiggling its way now out of Fania and down towards Campus Corner but it's funny it seems to have very very good ex exit speed from the corner seems to be able to get the power down sooner than a lot of the rivals we saw in that battle with the BMW with um Augusto Farfus, but uh, again, you can't really compare what's how the track is now as to how it was five minutes ago. So I think at various points, each of the manufacturers possibly has their car hitting its sweet spot relative to its rivals. And when it was very wet, the Porsches looked very good indeed. Aston Martins have been having cameo roles up and down, but of course still leading the GTO Pro, Pro class in the hands of Alex Lynn. His advantage only three seconds now over Kevin Esper. Let's hear from Anthony uh, Davidson. Explaining to me earlier about struggling with tyres and trying to get them up to temperature. What do these, what does this conditions mean? Well, yeah, we're seeing much lower track temps and, and air temp compared to uh, free practice when we were run, last run in the rain. Um, so the car had quite a different feeling, uh, just struggling to get the tyres all up to temperature and, and to keep them there. Um, and with all the safety car periods, it, it makes it even harder. You've seen cars spinning, uh, even on slicks, uh, in the dry. So, uh, yeah, much colder today than it's been all week, and uh, hence the snow. <laughs> I can see you're shivering. You need to go and get warm. I need more body fat. That's what I need. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks. So that was Slim Jim, Anthony Davidson, wearing a hoodie as well. Just uh, He'll pull that up over his head. There he goes. Pulls it up over his head. But... Uh, pit garages you might be able to stay dry in them but if you've got the doors open at the front the doors open at the back they can be real wind tunnels yeah and uh, normally walls of concrete which retain zero heat as well of course if there's been no no heat during the day so uh but yes keeping the main garage doors open certainly don't doesn't help the ford i think that was 66 there with a big uh, tail happy moment as well 
So maybe we're reaching the point where the GTs can switch from wet weather tyres back to slicks. That was a message to Kevin Estra in the 92 Porsche. Hard at work. But there was the riding clause. Switch over, cross over to slicks in two laps, unless there's more rain. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Einstein. But that is the, the story of the race. So we've got almost precisely two-thirds of the race done, and the drivers haven't a clue what the track's going to be like in the next five minutes because it's changed one way, changed the other. Of course, Toyota out front, two laps clear now of Vitaly Petrov, but with the sister car, that's the number eight car dominating, the sister car risen now into the top ten in the hands of Jose Maria Lopez, but those five laps lost have hit them very hard indeed. Six laps lost. Now, the Aston Martin being shown as second in class with two dots on the side of the car as well so which car's got a head then it should still be Alex Lynn leading the way I know uh, but, but his car has two lights illuminated on the side rather than one oh, and he's listed as second in class so over the line oh. it's Kevin Estra who's taken fast. the lead on that lap okay, okay fine because he was three seconds down and closing wow didn't see that, I have to say, it actually happened. So that's the reason why we didn't, we weren't able to describe it to you. Of course, we were hearing from Anthony Davidson at the time. So I bet the overtake took place during that interview. And a Porsche versus Aston Martin is not the same battle up ahead. It's actually leaks ahead of Sorensen. But Kevin Estra disappearing up the road here, 4.1 seconds. That time around, the Aston Martin did a 2.38. Kevin Estra did a 2.33. So the tyres that Alex Lynn is, are on, is on must, must be very tired indeed. Are they... Well, it, hasn't, it hasn't switched to slicks, um, but I wonder whether the wet weather tyres now have virtually no grooves left on them, perhaps, and he's really scrabbling around for grip. Could well be, because, I mean, when Alex Lynn took the lead after a really good struggle, he then builds himself in fairly short order a seven second cushion and there it sort of stayed then it gradually stretched went out to 14-15 seconds but Kevin Estro did a mighty opening stint and is having another really good good run at it now but of course we heard him being told by his race engineer that uh, you could if you carry on the track carries on drying cross over to slick times uh, tyres anytime soon unless more rain arrives and you know what I think more rain is just about to arrive on the circuit right now with two hours to go FIA World Endurance Championship, the hourly update. Yeah, so four done, two hours still to go, as Bruce says, and Kazuki Nakajima leads the way on lap 100. This is the number eight Toyota TSO50 hybrid, which is out front from the number 11 SMP Racing Vitali Petrov, driven BR Engineering BR1. So Toyota first, SMP Racing second, Third and fourth, the two rebellions. Number three circulating ahead of the number one. Nat Berton in his number three, R13. And Bruno Senna is behind, although the gap is 40 seconds in reality. Fifth position, another LMP1 car. That's Sergei Sorokin in the BR1 from SMP again. Where's the other Toyota, I hear you ask? Down in 10th place overall and behind four LMP2s, although quickly making its way through that traffic now lapping 15 seconds quicker than those LMP2s ahead. So Jose Maria Lopez should 
make quick work of those once he reaches that area of the track. LMP2 is led by the Jackie Chan DC Racing entry, number 38 of Hope in Tongue. That's an Orica 07. The Alpine A470 is in second position, number 36. And in third place, the G-Drive Racing, Roman Rusinov driven Aurus in third position. That's the guest entry this weekend, of course, in preparation for Le Mans in five weekends' time. Ninth position and fourth in LMP2 is the Dragon Speed Pasta Maldonado car. And fifth in LMP2, 11th overall, Francois Perodo for TDS Racing. GT Pro, a hive of activity as it has been from the start of the race. Kevin Estranau out front and building a tidy lead over over Alex Lynn. It's up to 6.2 seconds, so that's a Porsche number 92 leading an Aston Martin number 97. Third and fourth in pro, both Ferraris, the 51 ahead of the 71, James Collado and Davide Recon. And in fifth place, Ricard Leitz in his Porsche number 91. GTE Am sees a Ferrari leading the way, Clearwater Racing's example, and it's Matt Griffin driving that car, number 61, now only 22 seconds ahead of York Bergmeister, who's doing a stellar job behind the wheel of the Team Project 1 Porsche to try and close in. A gap that was 53 seconds at one point, it's now down to virtually 20 seconds between Ferrari and Porsche. Third position, the number 90, Charlie Eastwood-driven TF Sports, Aston Martin, Fourth place in Am is another Aston from Aston Martin Racing. That's Matthias Lauder in car number 98. And it's Matty Campbell in 77 Porsche from Dempsey Proton Racing, who is fifth. So we're at 5.35 local time in Spa, and there are an hour and 55 minutes still to go in round seven of the World Endurance Championship. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS3. On RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Live coverage of World Endurance Championship Round 7 continues. The penultimate race of the super season. Next time we're racing with these cars will be at Circuit de la Sarte for the second visit of the season to the Le Mans 24 Hours. More points on offer that weekend, of course. Just the conventional 25 points for a win this weekend and probably should do some maths at some point to see whether Toyota can seal at least the team's championship with a good result for car number 8 but a tough result for car 7 still only in 10th position Bruce Jones yeah starting to make its way forward but it lost those 5-6 uh, laps its next target is the Dragon Speed Orica Pastor Maldonado driving that at the moment but that's uh, 30, half a minute up the track Compare their lap times and uh, last time around 13 seconds gained by uh, Jose Maria Lopez. So give them another handful of laps and they should be through. But you look at the timing screens one moment, you have to quickly look at the other screens and see what the weather is doing at Spa Frankenstein. We've had pretty much everything. We haven't had thunder and lightning, we haven't had a heat wave, but we've had lovely summits, uh, sunny weather. We've had uh, slight wet, full wet, snow. And then swing back the other way, it sort of unraveled. But snow, uh, rain is threatening again, just at the point that the team thinks they might be able to uh, have a dry enough track to put their drivers off those uh, treaded tyres onto slicks. But again, rain drops on the camera lenses out around the circuits. So, so hard. If you go a lap too soon, you could really suffer if the rain is just around the corner, out of your sight. So the team crews have to not just look at their weather out the windows, out of the pit garages 
They've also got to look at those uh, weather forecasting screens and hope they're absolutely bang on. I sense a bit more rain is coming in the next 10 minutes or so. Let's take a look when uh, we get clear moments out on the circuit. So under two hours remaining in this six-hour race, and it's Toyota leading the way. Gap first to second. Still waiting for Vitaly Petrov to cross the line in the second place. SMP racing BR1. Third place is Nat Berton, who's been having a good run. He's, in fact, last time around, Nat Berton, fastest driver on the track. Some two and a half seconds faster than the race leader. And uh, let's do some rather simple maths. Nine seconds quicker than Vitaly Petrov. Oh, Petrov, that is why. He's just dived into the pit lane. Andre Nebraus just took, Nebraus just took maybe a race in Rio. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Of course, it would be really nice. Too cold for Brazil. Cold for Brazil. Uh, Nat, uh, Nat, I was just asking you. I was just asking you. Well, trying to hear from Andre Negrau with Louise Beckett, but uh, as you can hear, struggling a little bit. So we'll leave that interview there. Um, I'm just trying to work out that the World Endurance LMP1 Championship, which is for teams, so therefore Toyota Gazoo Racing, Rebellion Racing, SMP Racing, etc. Uh, it looks like it's your best finishing car that earns the points. Oh, here's Andre Negrau again. Yeah, we have to. We have to fight it to the end. We are fighting for the championship, and then we expect to be arriving P1, P1, just to create a little gap for them up. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So we got the gist of that, I think. Uh, there will be a race in uh, Sao Paulo in the new uh, season, 2019-2020, the early part of well, the first day of February, indeed, uh, in 2020, will be the uh, race at Sao Paulo that's a return of course for the championship not been there for a few years now I'm trying to recall the last WEC race in Brazil it wasn't in 2017 so 2016 three years or three years. Who knows? 2016 we were at Circuit of the Americas went to Mexico as well but not Brazil so 15 is the next guess no Wow, it's been a long, long time. 2014. 2014, 30th that, of November, 2014. Was that the scene of Mark Webber's horrendous crash when they were on for the championship then? Or, no, because he still won the championship, didn't he, that year, despite being in the wall, effectively, or Porsche did. That shunt was just like a grenade had gone off, wasn't it? Yes, it you was. You and I commentating together, and it was trying to work out what the car was. There wasn't any bodywork left to have a, a look-see, but thank goodness uh, cars are far stronger than they ever used to be in racing terms, and uh, that was... Uh, the biggest hits of Mark's career. Yeah. In fact, he wrote about it uh, very eloquently in his, read his autobiography. Uh, I think I've still got it. After yes, you. Well, I, I, <laughs> I tried to stop myself from buying yet more books uh, until I read the ones I've got. Good strategy. It's a nice policy. It doesn't always work. Uh, now, that wasn't the year that Mark Webber was up for, for the championship. Uh, they was the year before? Well, that was the 2014 was the year Anthony Davidson, Sebastian Buemi uh, 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 won the championship for Toyota. And then the following year, they won, 2015. But in 2015, we didn't visit Brazil. So there you go. Got to the bottom of it eventually. Um, Meanwhile, I think I sense we've got rain. We've got more rain arriving at Spa, Frankenstein, Carlos. Yeah go up the hill and it's definitely raining as they go through the bus stop towards the pits in fact it's not it just doesn't do spitting at spa anymore which gives teams a chance to consider it for a lap it seems to go from you know naught to 60 in miles per hour terms or naught to 100 kilometers an hour in no time at all half the cars in this big gaggle just 
decided to go on for one more lap. How much of a roll of the dice are they playing at the moment? Both the works, Aston Martins among that duo. It's the GTE Pro runners who said tend to be staying out for another lap, but the sky is getting darker and darker, literally by the second. The lap pace really falling away. So they'd have been up at... Uh, at uh, Le Combe, but it would have been just on a slightly greasy track, but definitely thinking about crossover to Slicks, and here we are now with proper rain again up by the pits. Oh, gosh, these teams have to stay on their toes. Still, the race being led by uh, Fernando, well, now Fernando Alonso has taken over the number eight. It was driven up until a few moments ago by Kazuki Nakajima, who ended up really not having a very long stint, unless, unless I've just gone completely mad in this... Uh, um, Taken two thirds of the race. Well, Alonso only did a single. He only did a single, yeah. And Nakajima has possibly only done a single as well. I think so. So back into the car is Alonso, right? So Buemi probably did a double. Yeah, Buemi did a double at the start. So are we expecting, therefore, that Alonso and uh, Nakajima are going to flip flop now to the end of the race, effectively? Because uh, one more stint for Alonso. One more for Nakajima. That will probably be the end of the race then, won't it? Because we're already close to an hour and 45 minutes still to go. And the end of the race feels like it's fairly soon now, after it took an age to get to the three-hour point, the halfway point. That last hour travelled by very, very quickly. Now the rain is back. <laughs> it might start to travel a little slower again. Well, we have had safety car periods in this race. We've had, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnny, two safety cars and yeah. two full-course yellows. I think that's about right. Because one of them was very short just to collect, uh, collect, remove debris from the circuit. Once uh, around Blanchiment, we reckon fell off the bottom of the uh, Igor Orichev's uh, BR1 when it lost its right front wheel and uh, seemed to drop a bit of debris on the way back and also wants to clear debris on the track up at La Source. Track temperature dipping again. 12.2 degrees air temperature just lost one and a half degrees in not a lot of time at all. It's a quarter to six, thereabouts in the Ardennes and it's down to 5.3 degrees. Lowest we saw in the race was 1.6 degrees and that was when it was snowing. We knew the snow was on its way. It had been snowing lightly overnight, enough to leave the circuit looking very um, festive. Make you think of uh, the, the, sort of the image of Christmas certainly Spa-Francorchamps throws up a few surprises but not often snow in the racing season certainly not in May however we've had it today it livened up proceedings absolutely no end at all scared a few drivers but they've done a fantastic job but it's still Toyota to leading the race uh, Fernando Alonso Thomas Laurent getting back on for a, a second stint in number three rebellion he, he kicked off the race seems a very long time ago that was where sunshine turned to rain within the first two laps and rain quickly well, turned to snow so he's now up into second place after that pit stop for Vitaly Petrov. I think he'll fall back to third because I think they've both served pit stops in the last lap or so. But weather conditions continue to change. I'm pretty happy now with uh, how the team's championship sits, at least in the LMP1 category. It is your best car, so your best finishing car that earns the points as the rain is absolutely throwing it down now on the Kemmel straight. There's going to be a three-minute stop-and-go penalty for the Enso CLM for breach of technical regulations. Well, that was out of the equation anyway, 34th and last, and uh, now a further three minutes effectively added to its race time, but that will be done in race by coming down in the pit lane and stopping for three minutes. Uh, BMW all over the kerb there on the exit of Le Com and the run down towards Bruxelles. Not sure which one of the BMWs that was. Uh, the 82 
Antonio Felix de Costa is in the pits. So it was more most likely to be the 81 car, which is being driven by Nick Katzberg, and that was an outlap for Katzberg. Um, but yes, as far as the points are concerned, Toyota came to Spa with a big lead as uh, Bruce and I witnessed the moment again for the 81 so that was Katzberg rear left tyre virtually in the gravel trap he was that far wide and a big moment that he had to arrest uh, Yeah, the lead in the team's championship was 53 points I reckon if, they, if Toyota win this race that will extend out to 60 points and therefore they won't be catchable come, come Le Mans because there's only 39 on offer yeah, worth explaining effectively, it's one and a half times the normal score, isn't it? Yes, when, it when, is. When you go to Le Mans for yes, 24 hours. There's a 50% increase, although that's tough to do when you're dealing with odd numbers. So they just give you 38 points for a race win at Le Mans. And I can tell you the rest of the points, actually, just as soon as I get to the right point of this screen. So 38 for a win, 27 for second place at Le Mans, 23 points for third position. It's still just the solitary point, though, for pole even though qualifying stretches over two days at Le Mans on Wednesday and Thursday. So, yeah, as long as the Toyota wins this race, we will have teams' championships confirmed. That's not technically a world championship, because the world championship this year, of course, is, uh, is in the GT element, and the GTE drivers is a world championship likewise the manufacturer is a world championship I'm pretty sure that's the only one we've got LMP2s and 1s used to be uh, okay the LMP1 drivers championship is labelled as a world championship as well but that can be won by an LMP2 pilot or indeed an LMP2 pilot it's not uh, mutually, it's not exclusive to the top class well, we've had a change in P2 because Nicola Lapierre, well, what, what basically happened was Hopin Tom came in from the lead of that class, handed over to Gabriel, Gabriel Aubrey, and so he's now fallen to second place in the P2 class. Nicola Lapierre, who, who put on that great hunting down drive but didn't manage on the circuit to pass mm. Hopin Tom. No. Unless true. it happened out of our sight, but the pit stop has uh, put Gabriel Aubrey into that number 38, Jason. Jackie Chan GT racing. Guys, that's snowing again, Bruce. Snowing again in the pits. That can't happen. It's 4.8 degrees, according to my, <laughs> my computer. Doesn't seem to matter. Warm weather snow. Yes. Oh, Porsche all over the kerb coming out of speakers. That was the third place car at the time. Ricard Leitz and Nicky Team was able to overtake the Porsche then on the exit of that corner. Uh, I'm reminded that a team's championship must have a minimum of four manufacturers to be a world championship and the LMP1s therefore can't be this season because we have, well, Rebellion are a manufacturer, I believe, as is SMP. Enso CLM not technically a manufacturer. Safety I don't know how it works. car deployed. The snow has uh, put the scares on them. Certainly that moment for Richard Leitz was very hairy indeed, but the Porsches, whenever the conditions get really foul, seem to be the best of the GTE Pro class in terms of handling yeah. and yeah. suddenly got fouled where are they first and third in class and Kevin Estra the more I think about it to me he's been the star of the race because he has been mighty in traffic and when the grip has been at its very lowest level he's been hyper hyper brave and able to put the power down for anyone else and uh, so at this stage in the race uh, looking very good for the Frenchman as he leads the GTE Pro class 15th place overall 
the weather map or the, the radar weather radar has gone <laughs> when it's pale colors it's all fine but when you suddenly get yellows and reds drifting across your screen at speed you know that is severe weather one look at the screens tell you as it's almost impossible to see the track on the rundown the camera angle is high above uh, Radion looking down at the uh, past the old pits and the cars come down you can make out the headlights as an illuminated uh, total banner across the circuit on a gantry but uh, the visibility has dropped and dropped it's not cloudy in the way that it was earlier it's just the sheer weight of snow mm. and uh, very very if I say wet rain you know what I mean where where it's sleet yeah it seems thick in the sky now There'll be a question mark in Eduardo Freitas' mind, I'm sure, about how long this latest bout of snow is in for and whether he needs to call the race because I'm thinking the 75% rule, sometimes it's 70%, I know, but 75 would take us to four and a half hours in, wouldn't it? And we're, uh, we're virtually there. We are virtually there and we've got a different source of weather. It's hail. Mm. Not quite cold enough for snow, but just had a shot of it bouncing off the pit lane. The mechanics trying to stay under the awning back. But now it's forming as that mixture of, yeah, it's sort of sleety hail on the windscreen, underneath the windscreen wipers. The drivers on board have illuminations saying, saying SC. It's now down to three degrees. And the spectators are probably deciding whether... <laughs> Brave. Uh, free oh, mayonnaise before they go home. Or just get in the car and put the heater <laughs> on your feet. Yeah, um... I think that's probably the better option. Freak mayonnaise, very, very tasty, normally in the dry at Spa, but uh, questions about how warm they, they will be in these kind of temperatures. Well, they probably headed to the circuit a couple of days ago just with sort of spring clothing, but they're not mad. They've been to Spa before. They'll have full oil skins. They might have been to Spa over the Easter weekend yes. and thought, of course, this is glorious. Uh, it's going to be like this for the rest of the year. No, far from it. So snow, 4 degrees Celsius. The track temperature, amazingly, retaining 11 degrees Celsius, 79% humidity and a 5 kilometre per hour wind. And it's not pretty at all at the moment for drivers out there. This is far, far heavier white stuff than we had earlier on, although I'm with you. It's actually hailstones. These are very small balls of ice now falling rather than snowflakes does make me laugh under weather on my graphic it says partly cloudy (laughs) and then some well (laughs) strictly accurate i suppose um i'm sure there is some blue sky way way above spa francorchamps but uh, the whole venue now covered in dark clouds and and the ground fast going white but it's not snow it's hail but drop another degree and it will be proper snow yeah and then you're in a situation where cars are potentially on slick tyres still. Most of them will be on wet weather tyres though after that uh, recent dive to the pit lane. Okay, that was a message to Aston Martin racer Nicky Team. He's down in sixth place in the GTE Pro class. His teammate Maxime Martin just up ahead, 17 seconds up the road in fifth. But uh, I don't think this time they were saying, Nicky, there might be some some slicks you can use later no, on. No. They did rather amusingly early in the race. Uh, and he was perfectly ready to receive those slicks as well, even though it was pounding down with rain at the time. But as you said, his engineer can see the radar, can see 
conditions all the way around the track, whereas Nicky team just focused on each corner as he approaches. But I think there is some forethought to be had here by the officials. How long do they leave this? Because certainly within the next half an hour, full championship points can legitimately be awarded. And you know, when you've got cars circulating at three degrees Celsius with hail falling onto the track, that will be close to freezing now. Uh, the wind speed has dropped, so the weather's not likely to clear as quickly as it did earlier on when we had near gale force winds and flagpoles being bent over almost double. But we've had some very nasty moments with a BMW nearly leaving the road a short time ago. That was Nicky Katzberg. The Porsche as well, almost 45 degrees to the direction of travel at Speaker's Corner. But having said that, I just wonder whether, I was about to say maybe, the hail has stopped, but the rain is still lashing down as much. Oh, spinner at Eau Rouge. Sorry to cut across that message that was going to Toyota number seven, so a radio message for Jose Maria Lopez, but now that was one of the rebellions, so either Tom Laurent or Bruno Senna has gone off behind the safety car. Yeah, the visibility is it's getting darker and darker and wetter and wetter. The temperature is now starting to fall. It's down to 3.1 degrees, the air temperature. We could be getting back to proper snow. But now, if you just turned on your screens or listening anywhere in the world, it just looks like full, full heavy rain. And it was the number one rebellion that went for a rotation. Well picked out there. That was uh, Bruno Senna putting it across the track. It's stationary across the track on the outside of the circuit at Eau Rouge. And for those coming down the hill, that'll be a nasty surprise. And that was the car that was running in fourth place. Yeah, so I'm not sure on the rules of that. If the full field, I don't think he will be allowed to retake the position because that was uh, it's like having a car that, that fails during a safety car uh, or an incident that uh, we may have had several times in the past. It's not, like a, it's not like a formation lap where you are legitimately allowed to retake that place behind the safety car not the rule. No warning whatsoever there for Bruno Senna. He obviously just caught a patch of standing water and the car aquaplaned with zero grip, zero downforce at that much reduced speed and did so well actually to keep it out of the the Armco barrier. It's not uh, even tyre wall there. Absolutely. Not going off to the circuit left at Eau Rouge but also um, managed to get just enough away enough to the left not to be collected by anyone behind because uh, they would have also had to go across the puddle or the stream perhaps across the circuit it is now completely I think the term is officially horrible out on the circuit visibility is next to nothing but the amount of water that's dropped onto the circuit and temperature continues to tumble it's now down to three degrees flat and uh, the talk from the Toyota engineer to the driver of the number seven crew which is uh, Jose Maria Lopez is there watching the next 20 minutes take us uh, it's about an hour and a quarter remaining in this race that's well past the four and a half hour mark yes it is so that's that's a point at which Johnny you think they could actually call a result yeah we, we've had we hope not but I mean well, it, indeed it'd be great to carry on racing for the for the full six hours as advertised and well, if the thing is the weather is so changeable 
and I don't quite I don't mean necessarily the extreme of sunlight to snow but the fact that it changes on a sixpence it would seem you know one minute it's beautiful out there and the next minute the, the track is completely covered in water so changeable from uh, from extremes but also the speed that it does it is is phenomenal um but so, but, so so why why could it not change back to summertime within the space of another 10 minutes we're coming up to six o'clock it's uh, you know at this time of year in the Ardennes it would get dark till about gone eight o'clock at night um yeah so there's still scope but not so much scope for the temperature to rise again true that's so, a good point but what, what and, gets and me the now lack is of wind speed as well is what uh, is the wind speed? Is it down? Three, three kilometres three. per hour at the moment. I think it's going to be very, very difficult for this to dry out because this has been a longish period of rain. We certainly had a longer period earlier, but then it started drying and then we had proper sunshine, and that was probably the equivalent to two hours ago. Mm. So call it five or six degrees warmer. The wind is still a bit, a bit blustery. I'm not trying to talk it down or talk it out. Drivers have done a phenomenal job so far today. Uh, to keep the stuff, their cars on the black stuff. We've really had only a handful of um, spins and incidents, but conditions very difficult. That said, I actually sense the rain is starting to ease a bit. Mm. No, I'd agree with you there. No doubt about it, all four class leaders will be on the radio to their teams now saying, God, this is far too wet. Very, very dangerous. We shouldn't take the restart. We should end it now because, of course, they're leading their class. Uh, but Matt Griffin having gone from a lead of 53 seconds over the Team Project 1 Porsche, that gaps down to absolutely nothing now because of the safety car. I mean, it was being closed neatly anyway by York Bergmeister, uh, but we're set for a, an awesome duel in GTE AM, and I have to say the Porsche was looking the stronger car prior to this latest safety car intervention. Should the race restart, lest it restart, the track would have dried to an extent away from its completely soaked state but the sheer amount of spray mm. is what they have to try and mitigate against they've got to continue past the point at which the track itself is dry to the point at which a lot of that water has, has gone away because otherwise i think restarting the cars in these conditions would be um, really really very difficult indeed we need much better visibility and uh, we need the wind to really do something to help shift the water but at the moment the cars behind the safety car as it's proper just at that edge of snow in our yeah, we're below three degrees, two, two and a bit degrees. It's thickening up again. It's fattening. What a vexatious day at Spa-Francorchamps. So difficult for the drivers, even when it was half wet and half dry. They never knew which bit was half wet and which bit was half dry. Uh, the racing has been really absolutely fantastic, bearing in mind uh, the difficulties, particularly in the GTE Pro class, where some manufacturers, their cars are more suited to, let's say, 80% rain, 20% dry, and others quite the reverse. But uh, the driver's done a very good job. But leading that class, it is the Porsche GT team. First and third, Kevin Estra and Richard Leitz with James Collado coming on strong for Ferrari to be the meat in their sandwich. Just to get a little ahead of the game regarding our broadcast, of course, there's a, a post-race tech show right after the race, but... Uh, I'm eager to get your votes in for Spirit of the Race Award if this event is going to be called early. We're under safety car, a third of the race, and we are now heading towards the sort of window where this race could be called for full championship points. So any suggestions for Spirit of the Race Award so far, then by all means start getting those in now. Uh, stick it in a tweet. Make sure that it's addressed to at RSL underscore studio and includes the hashtag SPA, S-P-A, 
and then SOTR. So SPA, SOTR for the Spirit of the Race Awards. Uh, and so that's the nominations. The announcement for Spirit of the Race is actually going to be done on Wednesday, Wednesday night during Midweek Motorsports. And remember, that's 8 till 10 p.m. UK time, British summer time. And uh, you can do the relevant calculations yourself. So the announcement for SOTR Wednesday, but uh, we are taking your votes for that now. And then as far as post-race tech itself is concerned, discussion topics, maybe answers to our questions as well. If you've got any of those things for us to, uh, to chew through for 30 minutes after this race, then by all means get those in now as well. Again, at RSL underscore studio and include the hashtag SPRPRT, SPARPRT for those. Not saying the race is going to be called early, but just in case. We are now inside the final 90 minutes with the engine note of the safety car. You can hear in the distance. View from the bus stop chicane over towards Speaker's Corner, over towards Bruxelles. Relatively clear, very misty in the distance though. That's partly because of the rain that continues to lash down, partly because the amount of spray that's been thrown up in this part of the world as well with 34 cars amazingly all 34 cars are still circulating behind the safety car we could be in a situation again here uh, where all starters also finish the race and who'd have thought that on this day of days well, yeah. lovely little tweet here sent into Radio Show Limited by Adam Crossfire so when I leave the RSL studio and Radio Le Mans to go to our village fate it's snowing I get back and it's bright sunshine only at Spa hold on a minute we've had sunshine we moved back to snow again but yeah uh, I know what it's, a fickle it's not day. even the it's not even the fact that it's done it once it's done it several times through the course of 6 hours beautiful uh, come race start and the build up was all dry as well with personnel and uh, lucky attendees that uh, managed to squeeze their way onto the grid for that sort of opening ceremony and the national anthem that was all great and we had 5 minutes of dry weather racing and then the heavens opened and that was the next hour pretty much of heavy rain turning to heavy snow then it went dry again and bright sunshine almost similar to what we had over the Easter weekend for the 24H series race without the heat it's never been much warmer than about 11 degrees Celsius certainly track temperature I think ambient we're now at 3 degrees Celsius we have crept up ambient wise to about 8 or 9 but back down to 3 again now and yeah, wind speed. The other thing is, we've not, we've not only not got the wind speed to dry the track out, but also to take this weather away from Spa. So the cloud movement above the track is very, very slight indeed. And that's the reason why I think the rain may be set in for at least the next half an hour or so. But the radio messages to one or two of the teams were slightly more positive than that. They are, but again, you know, looking out around a pit entry open... <laughs> Is that to come in and dry your, your cockpits out? Yes, but, probably. Uh, so hard to predict, so hard at Spa. You need to have cameras pointing in all directions. You need to have endless numbers of uh, rival uh, sort of weather radar systems to try and predict. At certain points, you could swear it's getting lighter and brighter. You then have, have follow a car with an onboard camera. You're facing uh, 90 degrees in a different direction, and you see a totally different story. There is puddling around the circuit, but being a modern circuit, it's not really too bad. But anyone who drifts off what might become, if we go racing again, what 
is the slightly drier Ego. The racing line could be in for a nasty surprise. In fact, just on the approach to Fania, there's a, a stream running across the track. Just that moment, you need to actually uh, get some cornering done. In fact, it's not. It was a corner after Fania, so down at the bottom of the hill, effectively, just before campus. Drivers like to keep sight of these things when they do change. And when you're going around behind the safety car, because the pace you're running around the circuit is considerably slower than normal, around just under four minutes. A lot can change in four minutes. So, constant series of surprises. Not surprises, not all of them good for the drivers. But the clock still ticks on one hour and 20 minutes, five minutes this race remaining. Therefore, we've had four hours, 35 minutes. We've passed the four and a half hour mark, which Johnny assures me. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I, I don't don't go by my word, but I mean, it's rare that it's as high as eighty percent, and we're actually not very far away from eighty percent now. It's 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 a grey area for me between seventy and seventy-five because some championships go the seventy route, some the seventy-five, but that's normally the maximum amount of a race that you have to have done. And uh, as I say, we we are well beyond that now at uh, five minutes, six minutes past six local time. Not one of the drivers has decided to come into the pits. They've opened no. the pit windows, but they're all made of stern stuff. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a rule that's been part of the World Endurance Championship for a good few seasons now. The pit lane is automatically oh. closed. We um, do have one taker. Yeah, it was Kevin Estra from the lead of GTE Pro. So he's hopping out of the car, and he's going to hand over to, uh, to, to his teammate. And, of course, uh, Kevin Estra shares with uh, Michael Christensen, who really has done... The opposite of the lion's share of the driving so far. I think he did a single stint, but Michael getting in to take it to the end of the race, when the end of the race will be, nobody knows. Brighter over the pits, not raining as hard, but still a lot of water out around the circuit. It's Christensen, the Dane. Waits, Lollipop is still down. A few other pit visitors coming in now, including the Project One Porsche. And just as Michael wants to pull away, the Gulf Racing Porsche pulls into the neighbouring pit garage across his nose. That was all right, nothing, no damage done, but again... You suddenly get these flurries once the pit lane was open. And in fact, a bunch of those cars uh, was their first opportunity because, uh, as I just pointed out, they're lapping nearly, uh, nearly four minute a lap pace behind the safety car. So those that didn't jump this time will probably do so next time. And as I say that, go on, Johnny, can I say this? Go on. Looks like more bad weather's arriving from the, far, uh, the top mm. end of the circuit. Very, very dark clouds. There's a view taken up the slope uh, towards the pit complex. The view was taken looking up from sort of the first part of Blanchimont. So uh, I don't think anybody is going to be uh, coming in and go, you know, guys, let's have some slicks. Yeah. But I think, according to the latest weather radar, the very worst of the weather has moved on past, but there's another one coming in. <laughs> Thank you, weather radar. Uh, Sarah Rigby, who is officially Aston Martin's biggest fan, I think we can say, um, noticing that the Astons have fallen away in GT Pro because of a pit stop for Alex Lynn. So now down in fifth place for the Maxi Martin-driven Aston Martin. Remember, they have led a number of laps in this race. But if we were to stop it now, Aston Martin having to make do with a fifth and a sixth place finish, which is not really reflective of their pace through the course of this event. No, I think if you look at today's event, I mean, all the manufacturers in GTE Pro have been up and down the order like yo-yos. Yes, they have. Basically, Porsche is the one that seems to have the most capable car. The Ferrari is the stalking horse. And now uh, James Collado is leading in the uh, 51 that he shares with uh, Alessandro Pierguidi. But uh, 
Ford has had its moments, Aston's had its moments. Even BMW early in the race uh, really looked very strong indeed, but they're the makes that have all fallen away, leaving it into this Ferrari and Porsche battle. James Muscat uh, uh, also agrees with me I'm in, in, in Is that his why you're defense. Reading it out? In his defence, he's actually got a couple of the regulations in front of him, which I should have and haven't got, I'm afraid. But regulation 11.3.2, thank you, James Muscat, for this, says that it's 75%. We are there now. But I think that might be slightly brighter. Uh, it is Spa brighter, now. definitely. Look, I so, tell you what, there's a high view we're being shown from above the main grandstand opposite the pits, and we can see the whole way to Le Combe at the top of the hill, i.e. the one length of the circuit. There's more racing available here. I'm, I'm almost sure of it. And I think Eduardo Freitas would have made a decision by this point if his radar wasn't telling him that there's going to be some improvement in the skies in the next half an hour or so. I think that what he, don't, what, what he doesn't want to do is continue in this format behind the safety car for an hour, let's say, just to get 20 minutes of racing in at the end. I don't think he's going to do that. But I do think there's some improvement in the near future, certainly before the next race hour is done. So another batch of GTs come in. That means that James Collado from the lead of Pro has come down pit lane. Also, Richard Leitz in the number 91 Porsche. So these cars must be very, very close on fuel indeed. And we'll rejoin the race now. You also, you know, in, in the shoes of Eduardo Freitas, you, you, you want to get as close to six hours as possible because that's what everyone's signed up for that's what the strategy is designed for as well so it's a last uh, gasp decision really you know that's the, the last possible option to actually call a race early because you're not going to get a true reflection of how the race has panned out otherwise and uh, Aston Martin are a case in point in that respect all of a sudden they're back up to second and third behind David Regon's Ferrari. But they owe us a pit stop, I would suggest, and the AF Corsa Ferrari is, well, still waiting for 71 to come in, but with the 51 AF Corsa Ferrari having come in and both of the Porsches, I'm afraid I think it's going to swing back away from Aston Martin again. Out on the circuit, visibility still poor. Yes, yeah, getting a little brighter, but for the drivers who've had their stint and probably think their race is run, like Sam Bird, they're probably very pleased indeed because uh, some of the shots we're seeing now huge amount of spray and it really is getting grimy and dark out there and this is this is cars kicking up a lot of spray behind a safety car this yeah. isn't at race pace this is at half race pace effectively and uh getting harder and harder to pick out the cars and in any long shots around the circuit and you've got the spray being put up from about three or four cars and then you're trying to pick out the car in fifth place it really is a case of no chance super super tricky conditions don't forget when we had the track drying up before we even had double world champion Fernando Alonso spinning in the dry simply because the track was so cold and it was it was fresh but cold tires and uh, if, if the best can do it anybody can we had Andre Lotterer going around for rotation as well shortly thereafter so tire temperatures have been a real problem today as I think it was Anthony Davidson pointed out when they were running here yesterday in the rain, the track was a whole lot warmer. The air temperature was a whole lot warmer. And today, in these much colder conditions, and right now it's uh, 2.8 degrees. Just think about that. You're sitting at home or in the office, nice and warm and dry. If everyone out around the circuit, 2.8 degrees in the wet feels like about minus 10, especially once you've found there's a, a gap in the seam on your 
on your rainproof clothing. So it's really rather grim. And when you've been out uh, as a spectator for already about five and a bit hours, because they'd have been out before the start of the race, you know, you can see some of them have already called it quits. And I think you can see some walking towards the car park. You can uh, only treat yourself to near pneumonia, I think, if, you're, if your car is uh, heading towards a top result. But uh, certainly very difficult for all the teams, all the drivers, and don't forget all the marshals out around the circuit. And, uh, it's a long, long day. But we're still racing. We've got an hour and uh, just under an hour and 20 minutes remaining. Still, though, behind the safety car. Looking for any other clues about when it might come in. But uh, right now, none to be seen, hard to be seen. Every time you think the weather's slightly improving, it seems to darken up all over again. But our last sighting of the uh, weather radar graphic uh, suggested another storm is on its way. A lot of these storms haven't lasted long, but they've poured so heavily that it's left a lot of water that's going to take a long time to clear. And still the Porsche safety car leading the field around. Uh, with the number eight Toyota leading the way. So for Fernando Alonso at the moment, not much to do apart from just sitting behind it. And for all the teams, though, a lot have been scurrying to the pits recently. They've realised that uh, at a certain point when the pit lane is open, you have got to come in and make a pit stop. We said the Aston Martins owed us one, and we've just had uh, Nicky Team coming in to make his stop. I'm just waiting for him to rejoin. Was that Nicky Team? Or was it a flash on my screen? Easily done. Easily done. And in fact, I think I flipped down to GTE Am, and the Aston Martin was coming in was uh, Pedrolami. <laughs> or out with Pedrolami. I'm uh, I'm busy replying to tweets that I've realised are dated May 2018. Ah. <laughs> because we're using the same uh, post-race tech hashtag. That's why. So uh, SP SPA PRT was used last year, and. Uh, yeah, referring to Alonso's first ever uh, first ever pole at oh, Spa. Apart from the fact he didn't start from pole. Yes, but well, I think you're uh, nothing but, but, but he diligent. did last. He obviously did last year. Yeah, I'll correct that. Uh, yeah, there, there was some um, uh, publicity regarding uh, Alonso's very first pole position at this event, but that didn't happen this weekend. That happened uh, 12 months ago. Anyway, I'll move on. I think I've got Kobayashi down as pole for 2018. Kobayashi was the seven as well then. Yeah, I think so. Anyhow, okay. That's only because I've got a, a paper ring file. I can check it up <laughs> yeah, online. In, indeed. Well, we've got opportunity to do that, so uh, let's just have a look. Uh, Twenty. That was the 2018 race, wasn't it? So, at the grid, had number eight on pole oh, apparently. Yes. Oh, I scribbled it out. I can't even read. <laughs> so that was Buemi Nakajima Alonso taking pole in 2018. This year, it was the other car of Conway. Kobayashi and Jose Maria Lopez and now everybody's bunching up they are aren't they, Have they in amongst that discussion uh, has the safety car been withdrawn a thumbs up from the other side of our desk that suggests oh, yeah, we are lap. about to go racing once again uh, there's a four lap gap between the two Toyotas by the way eight ahead of seven but more crucially on the no uh, a lap behind Everybody is a lap behind now, I think. No, they're all on the lead lap, beg your pardon. Alonso's already gone across the line. Let's just check on this. So is he about to complete 113 laps in the number eight machine? And does that mean that Vitaly Petrov and everybody else for SMP and for Rebellion are, in fact, a lap in arrears? 
lap completed by Fernando Alonso. An hour and 15 minutes still to go. 113 ticked off by the Spaniard. Vitali Petrov will tick off 112 laps. Yes, so uh, a full lap as an advantage has the number eight Toyota. For SMP Racing, Rebellion Racing in third position with Tom Laurent, Sergei Sorokin in fourth place, and in fifth position is Bruno Senna as the GTs now work their way out. How on earth anybody can see the road in front of them will remain a mystery to me. The amount of spray being churned up from a very, very wet road surface indeed. But fair play to the officials for sticking with this because we are back to racing conditions, something that looked highly unlikely just 20 minutes ago. Visibility, it has to be stressed, is absolutely abysmal. We said it wasn't so much what was in the sky, it was what was going to be brought off the track. The cars as they go up the chemistry straight, two, even three abreast. Are they completely mad? But anyhow, they know what they're doing. Up to the, they come, they get the, the braking done, but so much spray. It looks almost like a nighttime race. Don't forget, when you look at a t an image from a TV camera, it brightens it up relative to real life. Slipping and sliding down through Bruxelles, they go. Great bit of battling between on the Aston Martins and... Two of the Ferrari, no, one of the Ferraris tucked in into the slipstream, if you will. It's actually just a slippery stream rather than a slipstream here at Spa-Francorchamps. Cars twitching as they go down the hill going for the outside line. Is that the place you want to go? Uh, very, very tricky indeed, but uh, certainly very, very bold driving there. I think that's, uh, yeah, Nicky Tim. So Nicky Tim... Third, Maxi Martin second, David Aregon leading pro, and I did have a message I'll a little while what, ago. It might, it might in that case be Maxi Martin overtaking David Aregon. Let's have a little look. Okay. Um, I had a message from Paul Truswell a little while ago to tell me that uh, the safety car may well very much go in the favour of David Aregon and the number 71 Ferrari. Oh, Aston off the road. That is Nicky Team in the 95 car, and that was at Fania Corner. And now the run down towards campus. He rejoins a very busy track indeed. He's lost half a dozen positions in that instant. Still rain spraying onto his screen. But, uh, you know, he probably did very, very well to save that. But yeah. uh, he was third in the class at the time, and that's dropped him back behind De Costa, behind Katzberg, the two BMWs behind Michael Christensen, behind Richard Leitz. So the course is coming through. And right now, as the only present. Paul Traswell pointed out, David Regon, it's uh, certainly gone the way of the number 71 Ferrari. Place changes galore, hard to pick them out. The visibility is so poor out on the circuit. The good news for Nicky Team is that he hasn't fallen to the very back of GT Pro because the Ford, number uh, 66, is actually off the lead lap in oh, Pro. Spinner. That's the 54, M isn't it? MR Racing Ferrari. No, Spirit of Race. Oh, sorry, Spirit of Race. Sorry, big pun. That is the second place car. Giancarlo Fisichella had got up to second behind TF Sport and there was contact. Given a help. Given a bit of a help by one of the Porsche GT entries. And I'm sure that is going to be reviewed as a result of that. More yellow flags being shown and uh, that was, well, the Aston Martin was off the road. We knew all about that. Well, it really was much more off the road oh. than I realised at uh, Fania because uh, replay has it showing going grass cutting but by about three car widths away from the edge of the circuit and very very wet out of the grass and a BMW going straight on at Le Combe. so just the BMWs deciding to go well is that Antonio Felix to Costa Katzberg. Katzberg in the 81 Katzberg. yeah 
And Felix well, Felix Acosta is very, very close to Ferrari, and he's right now on the tail of uh, Davide Rigon. Katzberg conceding the place, at least to his teammate, and has no choice but to let the Ferrari through as well. OK, what we saw in the previous lap, then the, the passing manoeuvre Aston Martin on Ferrari was Maxime Martin overtaking Davide Rigon. So Aston Martin now leading the GTE Pro class. Yeah, and the Ferrari skating its way out, but that will give Katzberg the position back again. The so Ferrari does not have the grip. It lost all no. the ground to the Aston Martin, and now really... <laughs> that was the most extraordinary replay. Johnny and I both sort of cringed because from effectively stayed right from nowhere on our television screen, we suddenly had the BMW of... Uh, who was it who went off? Was it Katzberg? Uh, just yeah. rejoining. We yeah, were looking at the track, and it... But in front of shoulder barging, Regon and Da Costa, and they were making contact themselves, and then they had to create space for Katzberg to rejoin the track. Phenomenal stuff. Regon, the big loser in this. We talked about the safety car being uh, his friends. Well, he's just lost out to, for the lead of the race to uh, the Aston Martin and Maxi Martin. Yeah, which was seven seconds a lap faster, including no overtaking maneuvers. So and the two BMWs, though. So Regon finds himself down in fourth position now. Fourth and falling this lap. I think he'll, he'll go oh, further down. Oh, off the road, the 56 car. And that has been a race leader, Egidio Perfetti. Now, I'm sure that that wasn't an incident all on his own either. Was there contact? Yes, with the 61 Ferrari. But it was side-to-side contact which they probably would have got away with in the dry, but all it did was unsettle the 56 Porsche, gone backwards into the gravel on the exit of Fania Corner, where basically the track ends and the gravel starts. No chance of Perfetti getting that back, and I think if he tries to apply the throttle at any sort of uh, rate, the rear wheels, rear tyres will bury themselves into the stones. I can see that car easily being beached there. Although, the green flag is waved at Turn 13. So maybe Perfetti's done a splendid job in getting that car out of the gravel. Unbelievable. Well, that was extraordinary. He was completely off the circuit. A big, wide gravel bed between him and the track. But, right, battle for first position hotting up very much in, in, uh, in the P2 class. It's Nicolas Lapierre leading the Dragon Speed entry, but uh, the gap has come down and down. It's about one and a half seconds past a Maldonado on a charge now. So uh, Dragon Speed came here. Wanted to run two cars, couldn't because their P1 class car was uh, too damaged, couldn't get the spares. I've seen Elton Julian pacing up and down in the pit garage. And really, to be frank, Dragon Speed were nowhere. They were sort of fifth or sixth in P2, and here they are just over an hour before the end of the race. Now Pastor Maldonado is closing, closing right onto the tail there of Nicolo Lapierre. Up around the outside, will the passing manoeuvre oh, be pulled off with no a plomb ease? Apart from the fact he's just going off the circuit teetering around the outside on the painted curbing but the Venezuelan <laughs> absolutely bold there and completes the move very Tremendous. very good driving down to campus he's now three four car lengths clear of Nicolo Lapierre awesome car control but as the overtake was being done Maldonado inserting quite a lot of opposite lock to keep the car vaguely straight right over the curb at Radion went Bruno Senna that time around at least he wasn't facing the wrong way though as he was just moments ago behind the safety car. It's worth talking about uh, the sky. We can see it. That's a plus at Spa, but it's still very, very wet on circuit. Any driver out there is just getting a face full of spray. And some of them are struggling to uh, get around the corners, get enough traction to put the car where they want to. They're kicking even more moisture up because they're stripping all the water out of the curbing, the serrated curbing. And, uh, yeah, Bruno Senna, the latest one to go sliding off. He won't be the last in these conditions hour and six minutes remaining windscreen wipers beating away Toyota leading the race easily in the hands of Fernando Alonso nearly he's one and a half uh, nearly two laps clear now of uh, Thomas Laurent who's second for Rebellion Racing 
But there are lots of close gaggles of car because that uh, car with the uh, rebellion, rebellions, Thomas Laurent has got Vitali Petrov right under his rear wing. So SNP racing in third, looking for second. A very slow lap last time around for Paolo Roberti in the Enso CLM. It was an in-lap, but it took him over three minutes to get to the pits. The car's back in the race now, but that might have been a slow puncture, perhaps, or another drama for the Baikolis car. Way out of the fight, unfortunately, having completed just 78 laps. When you compare that to the leading LMP1 privateer, which has done 115 laps now. Toyota lead, but only with one of their cars, Fernando Alonso, out front by a lap ahead of the rest of the field. And it's at least by a lap. But Thomas Laurent, Vitaly Petrov circulating with just 0.9 of a second between them. So the battle between Rebellion and SMP Racing far from over. And SMP Racing looking like they'll get both of their cars in the top four, whereas Rebellion are running second and fifth. Yeah, well, Senna, as we said, we had him just off the circuit a short while ago, just not looking on top of it at the moment. And in fact, uh, let me see how far behind is Jose Maria Lopez. He has uh, 112 laps completed. Senna has 114. A lap and a half down. And fastest driver on the track last time around is the Argentinian. So maybe Rebellion won't even end up with mm. second or fourth. I mean, second or fifth. It could become second and sixth. Weather conditions, are they improving? Depends which way you look. Still so much spray coming off the circuit. The problem for Jose Maria Lopez is he's laps down, and quite a few laps down, three off off the Rebellion and the SMP that are running second and third. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I think the best he can do is get up into fifth place overall. Fifth place, yeah. Yeah, true, although, he's, again, a couple of laps off Bruno Senna as we stand. Uh, actually, only one lap because yeah. he just crossed the line. So, yes, within reach, potentially the slowest of the two Rebellions and possibly the other uh, SMP of Sergei Sorokin. Now, early stage of the race, it seems a long time ago. We had Porsche and uh, BMW looking very strong in the wet. At the moment, it's Aston, and Aston Martin were right in the mix as well. Now, it's Aston Martin leading in GTE Pro from the two BMWs. Gap between Maxime Martin and the chasing Antonio Felix da Costa, four seconds. And another two and a bit seconds back to Nicky Katzberg. So, despite Katzberg having that run off the circuit... Clearly, BMW's coming on very, very strong indeed. Still a lot of spray, but weather starting to lighten up a little bit around the uh, pit complex at the top of the hill. One car running with a, a rather weak headlight. I think it's the TDS Racing Orica. Norman Nato looks as though one of his headlights isn't working too well. No, indeed, as they go down towards Oru. So when you're coming up to lap uh, slower cars, it's quite nice to know if they can actually see you. Yes, so from his point of view, he's going to have to hope the weather really does continue to improve. And it definitely is getting brighter up at uh, the exit of the bus stop. So uh, bad weather is not his friend with the lack of uh, forward illumination. Not so much for what he can see, it's who can see him when he's coming True. up. True, and the marshals need to be well aware of which car is about to arrive at their corner next as well. Speaking of which, at the source, Ferrari, Porsche, Ferrari is the battle for fourth position. Regon ahead of Christensen, ahead of James Collado. And Collado being installed just after the half-distance mark into O'Rouge corner and right over the kerb there goes James Collado, fully committed. The sunshine now uh, right in the face of the drivers as they head onto the Kemmel Strait and that's reflecting off a very wet road surface too. So visibility even more at a premium as they get to the right-hand kink that takes them onto the Kemmel Strait and very sideways moment uh, a couple of seconds ago for Porsche number 92, Michael Christensen. 
So the 91 of Ricard Leitz all of a sudden down at seventh place. Again, you know, Porsche are in a great position ahead of the pit stops. Then they tumble to fifth and seventh. All over the place in pro this race. Yeah, and then BMW really start to close in on Aston Martin. But uh, Maxime Martin has uh, responded and he's gone out from four seconds clear to, let's have a double check, uh, nearly six seconds clear. So a better lap for Maxime Martin than the chasing Antonio Felix da Costa. Ferrari are one of the Porsches uh, just uh, side by side, nose to tail. Davide Rigon in his Ferrari Christensen. Uh, fifth in GT Pro in his Porsche and then James Collado tucked in behind in sixth and tucked in behind in the spray and uh, suddenly the visibility is improving very quickly but the only way to have good visibility is to get up high if you're down at driver's eye line you're still getting a face full of spray watch from above though the spray doesn't look too bad but when it's covering your windscreen very very tricky also now starting to look to see where there is still very wet patch you know large wet patches on the circuit and uh, certainly at some points it's not looking too bad now if they could get out from behind the car they're chasing no face full of spray and conditions are changing let's have a look the fastest laps out on the circuit still being set by Jose Maria Lopez 2 minutes 18.9 2 minutes 19.1 for the race leading sister car of Fernando Alonso but as we saw earlier in the race once it starts drying yes a dry line a drier line is beginning to appear these lap times are going to start tumbling down. And then what does that do? That makes drivers think about their tyres. What rubber have they got left as their wet weather tyres really start to be consumed? Nicky Team's just been through the pit lane, but it took him 45 seconds. I can't think they would have done anything during that pit stop, so that looks suspiciously like a drive-through to me. Although Pedro Lamy's just been in and out in less than a minute, so maybe you can do something is it tyre change perhaps we I, mean, I can't imagine they're going to be able to fuel a car in that uh, very short space of time anyway change of, of uh, fourth place position with a Porsche around the outside of the Ferrari phenomenal move and that means that the 71 Ferrari of Davide Regan very much on the back foot as they reach the top of Radion here comes James Collado then to go at least side by side with his teammate past past and past yes the race is really going away from uh, Regan Regon suddenly found himself in the lead of the class, but just not liking this rain in his Ferrari. But James Collado clearly, um, early in the race, he felt you know that some of the teams got it wrong with some of their tyre choices. But right now, it looks like for Davide Regon, whatever he's got underneath him is just not letting him have the confidence in the car. Almost clipped on a super slow-mo replay by James Collado, his AF Corsa teammate, as they sort of, effectively, the cars start to settle once they've gone over the crest of the hill at Radion. And then as they went, the, the Kemmel straight isn't straight for starters. It no. bends to the right and around the outside. Therefore, on the left-hand side of the track went James Collado, two-thirds away out the straight. And then Great into the braking zone, zone, he just rocketed away from uh, poor Davide Regon. Yeah, Regon hit the brakes so early on, I think, to make sure he avoided contact with Collado. Let's hear from Kevin Estra at Porsche. Watching on as that Ferrari battle continues with the Porsches. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy race so far. We uh, we drove uh, in every condition, snow, dry, drying track. We need to be lucky with the strategy a little bit because the rain is coming, coming and going, and you need to be on the right tires. But um, we've done a mistake on the strategy at the beginning. Then we made the right call, I think, the last time. But uh, but there's still one hour to go, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. I know you were reporting to the engineers something about the lights. Is it what's happening in the car? No, everything everything's fine. We just uh, we were we were thinking of maybe saving some some extra fuel on the safety car, but everything okay. Okay, thank you. The FIA World Endurance Championship. The hourly update.
Just less than 60 minutes to go then in round seven of the World Endurance Championship, the 2018-19 Super Season. And this is the last of the six-hour events live on RS3, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. Fernando Alonso back at the wheel of Toyota number eight, currently leads the race. We reckon one more stint to come for Kazuki Nakajima, and that will be in the next 10 to 15 minutes. But leading by a lap ahead of... Uh, Thomas Laurent in the Rebellion, that's car number three, which is the first of the Rebellion R13s with the Gibson engine. Then two BR Engineering BR1s with the AER engine. So these are the SMP racing entries of Vitaly Petrov and Sergei Sorotkin. So 11 and 17 are third and fourth. Fifth position, the number one car, which is the Bruno Senna-driven Rebellion R13. And in sixth place, the number seven of Jose Maria Lopez, the other Toyota, trying to get back into the top five. That looks like a long shot at the moment, although he's just a lap behind Bruno Senna and Sorokin. Maybe those cars are within catching distance. In in LMP2, the 31 car now leads the race after an audacious overtake from Venezuelan driver Pastor Maldonado round the outside of Nicola Lapierre at Fanyet corner where the grip looked to be at an absolute minimum but Maldonado tippy-toed his way round the outside to take the LMP2 lead and is now up to 7th position ahead of Lapierre's Cinetech Alpine Matmut's A470 so these are car numbers 31 and 36 Dragon Speed and Cinetech ninth position and 3rd in LMP2 is the Jackie Chan DC racing entry of Gabriel Aubry number 38 ahead of G-Drive and the Jean-Éric Verne number 26 car TDS racing off 5th in P2 number 28 with Norman Natto at the wheel. Maxi Martat drives the number 97 Aston Martin, leading GT Pro once again. 9.3 seconds is the margin over the first of the BMWs of Antonio Felix da Costa, car number 82. And then it's Nicky Katzberg in 81, third in Pro, ahead of the best of the Porsches, Michael Christensen, number 92, and James Collado, having just overtaken his teammate, Davide Rigon. That gives Collado fifth place in 51. GTE Am, led by Ricardo Perra now, Dempsey Proton Racing lead the way in GTM ahead of TF Sport and Charlie Eastwood, number 90, 77 the leader. Third is the 61 Clearwater Racing Ferrari of Lewis Perez Compank. And fourth place is the 54 Ferrari of Spirit of Race, Giancarlo Fisichella. Fifth place in AM, Egidio Perfetti, despite that off-track moment out of Fania Corner where the car just bounced off the tyre wall backwards in the gravel, did a very good job of getting that car out again. And Team Project 1 remain in fifth place with number 56. Goodness knows what the final hour will throw up. It's been a crazy race, as Kevin Estra just stated. Uh, be sure to stay with us on RS3 to see how this one pans out. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS3. On RS3. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. The 45-second pit stop for Nicky T. Not a penalty, just tyres, we reckon, and a change of tyres as the conditions change. But they won't have done fuel in that short amount of time. So a switch to intermediates maybe or have they gambled bearing in mind the 95 had a big off well actually that'll probably be the reason why they changed tyres Nicky probably not happy with the current Michelin rubber 
and wanted either a new set or a change of compound. Yeah, maybe they weren't good on the track, and they certainly were very quick on the grass, weren't they? My golly. Well, just during that uh, rundown, as we go into the final hour, Johnny, a good bit of lap time. They're not dropping, they're staying exactly where they were, so the circuit isn't drying out. Fernando Alonso and uh, Toyota teammate Jose Maria Lopez lapping in the 2 minute 19s. I thought we might have had them come down a bit from there. Right now, Shots out on the circuit. Looks so it's slightly dry, but as I say that, the second of the two BMWs goes over the kerbs on the exit of uh, Pouan and starts to spin. Let's hear from Sebastian Buemi. Sebastian is looking on as Fernando Alonso is leading the race here in Spa, and what a race it has been. Can you believe this? Uh, not really, but what's good at least is that we could race. You know, we didn't have only a red flag or... So I think the, so far the race direction has done a great job just to neutralise when it's a little bit too too crazy and we are lucky that it dries up quite quickly so we can race again so so far it's been quite interesting interesting and enjoyable well i would say when you see the snow uh, it's maybe a little bit too much but i think they've done so far a good job in in knowing when to neutralize and when to let it go okay thank you very much Interesting there from Sebastian, and sorry, I sort of misled you there. I jumped out because Johnny was pointing to the screen. Say, so Sebastian, an interview coming up. The, the BMW did not spin. It was the second one. It was uh, Nicky Katzberg, but it looks like it was about to spin. It was got very slippery on the exit of, uh, of Pouhon, out over the kerbs. Car about 30 degrees out of true, uh, but the Dutchman got it back in a straight line and carried on towards Fania. But it uh, just goes to prove that if you just don't have the confidence to keep, uh, can't keep your car on the circuit, what awaits you on the outside is far worse once you hit those curves you really are in for trouble but right now back to sunshine i mean the big joke was we'd had four seasons in one day crowded house or whoever many moons ago but uh in the first 20 minutes of the race and 20 minutes ago johnny i had no concept that we'd ever see the sun again but yet here here the cars are going through eau rouge up over the crest at radion suddenly it's like someone's turned it from a black and white image to full color again the red and yellow barriers around the circuits looking very bright there's green on the banks on the outside of the circuit and still cars going around still kicking up a lot of spray though so that bit hasn't changed but less spray than before so i guess we're going in the right direction how are the lap times doing the toyota still doing two minute 19s not getting faster not getting slower um, again, to heap praise on uh, the race control team, you know, that's the reason why they were being patient, I think, knowing that there was a better spell of weather around the corner. If it was set in for the next few hours, that amount of rain and snow in some cases, they would no doubt have called it. We've been in that situation before in, in Fuji many times. Uh, and uh, as you well know, Bruce, uh, and that's, the, you know, you're reliant on radar systems then and, and, and weather coming in from a great distance. And if there's no gap in the weather predicted, there's just no point in continuing round. But in this scenario, obviously a window and a, a rather pleasant one uh, was predicted and it has arrived again. Now, the question is, will there be a further sting in the tail, maybe into the last 10 minutes? Well, what we're not seeing at the moment is the track drying sufficiently for lap times to really start to come down. But they'll only come down when people commit to going to slick tyres. They're not quite ready yet for yeah. those. No, good point. Um, a reminder, by the way, of uh, your nominations for the Spirit of the Race Award will be warmly received. We'll be doing the announcement as to who wins the Spirit of the Race Award on Wednesday evening as part of Midweek Motorsport uh, between 8 and 10 UK time on RS1. And, and RS3, I believe. But uh, 
your nominations are welcome now. And if you stick those in a tweet, make sure you include or address it to at RSL underscore studio and include the hashtag SPARSOTR, hashtag SPASOTR. Then we will make sure that your vote is carried into the count. And then post-race tech discussion topics. I'm sure there are many of them after a crazy five hours. We've still got the best part of an hour still to go. And looking ahead to Le Mans in, well, just next month now, in a matter of weeks away for the final round of the World Endurance Championship and an awesome event in its own right, of course, with guests from the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in GTs and other classes too. So... Um, well, certainly in GT Am and GT Pro, we will welcome some cars in from across the pond. Well, and also, of course, from uh, the Asian Le Mans series and as the well. Asian so Le Mans series, increasing element of the championship. Indeed, yes, some prototype uh, cars from that championship, LMP2 runners, uh, and the entry is fixed. It changed just a matter of weeks ago from 60 cars to 62, which will be a record entry in 2019. But driver lineup still being arranged, and they will have to be sealed into position in the next few weeks so we can talk about that in post-race tech and of course the next season of the World Endurance Championship which won't officially be a super season but it will span two calendar years 2019 into 2020 anything on those themes or others welcome Uh, hashtag SPAPRT hashtag SPAPRT and at RSL underscore studio is where you want to address that too and we will get to that about uh, 10 minutes after the race is done and that is just less than 50 minutes away now. Side by side earlier on between Porsche and Aston Martin. The rather dishevelled look to both Aston Martin Vantage AMRs. The 97 car neatly placed right now. Belgian driver Maxi Martin pedalling very rapidly indeed. Ahead of two other front engine cars, the BMW M8s. So again we're in that phase of the race where the mid-engine cars are struggling a little bit. They are on different pit stop strategies compared to the Astons and the BMWs. There was definite contact, by the way, earlier on for Giancarlo Fisichella, and that came from the number 91 Porsche. It was driven, I think, at the time by Ricard Leeds. That's what I vaguely remember. Oh, off the track, and this is back to live action now, so we're not... I always run the risk of talking about replays, thinking it's live. Well, the Ferrari off the track out of Blanchimont, very definitely happening now, and the Ferrari's fighting for third position. It's Collado versus Michael Christensen, but why he was so far out wide there on the approach to the bus stop, I have no idea. Obviously got a cracking run on the Porsche, maybe a bit of slipstreaming through... Campus and Stavolo. And you know what's happening? The track is drying out a little bit. Time's starting to come down. Who's closed back in again? Happier on a less wet track? Davide Rigon. Yeah, okay. When it was full wet, he was leading the class. He slipped back to, to fifth. Yeah. And he's hanging in there. And certainly the rather flamboyant moment for James Collado lost him a little bit of ground, affording a bit of breathing space for Christensen, who's holding on to third place in class. But let's just go down top four positions in the GTE Pro Aston Martin, BMW, Porsche and Ferrari the only manufacturer of the five that's not enjoying fun today is Ford and Ford are running in seventh in the in the hands of Andy Prio and tenth and last Olivier Pla conversations being had down at Porsche between personnel there and Gerard Neveur who is the overseer of the European Le Mans series and the World Endurance Championship with Le Mans events management LMEM 
Down towards Bruxelles goes the Porsche that leads the two Ferraris. Ricard Leitz is a bit further back, but Christensen better of the better placed of the 911 RSRs ahead of James Collado and, and Davide Rigon. And has Rigon found a second, a third, a fourth wind here because of the better conditions? He's able to take to the racing line, whereas Collado, a bit further up the road, is hunting out the wet bits of the track. So I think that would tally. Maybe Rigon has been on intermediate tyres throughout and really struggled when the rain properly hammered down. Yeah, I, th- I think you're, you're absolutely spot on there. So Toyota waiting to bring, uh, we can't tell you which of their cars in, but they're now lapping in the 2 minutes 17, so two seconds improvement for both of the cars. In comes number eight from the lead of the race, that is Fernando Alonso for the final pit stop of the race. All things being equal, 46 minutes remaining on the clock, no driver change. More wet weather tyres going on. Yeah, I can't compare. Different tread pattern, aren't they? I think maybe with the central. Uh, not sure. I have to see those uh, in more detail. But uh, th- there's no hint of, of those Michelins going on the Toyota to be intermediate. Windscreen wiper working overtime as well as the car sits waiting for the go ahead. They're just waiting on fuel here, and now it's being it's raining again. Was that a switch from Alonso to Nakajima? No, I didn't see a driver change. Right, interesting. No, so I think they're keeping Alonso on, but he came in and it was bright sunshine around the pit area. And now what? One minute later, raining heavily again as the cars, the, the, the wonderful Porsche Ferrari battle goes through the source down the hill. Oh, just when you think you know what's happening, just look at those lap times. Come down by two seconds. Luckily, they, they've got a good weather radar. They didn't go, yeah. now it's time for slicks. Because imagine what Alonso would have <laughs> thought of that heading down to Eau Rouge to maybe find the puddle that's only slightly dissipated since uh, Bruno Senna went for a turn. So the visibility drops away again, the drip falls away, the grip falls away, and for Davide Rigon, did he come in last time around? Yes, he came into pit. Hopefully he wasn't thinking, yeah, it's going, it's going definitely my way now, the track's getting drier, let's go for slicks. But uh, so he's off the tail, so that battle but for third place in GTE Pro, Christensen and Collado still very, very tight indeed, but with conditions that are just changing by the second. Your point about Nakajima only doing a single stint even more prominent now, though, because I th- I had a feeling they might put the Japanese in, in for the final tour, the final 45 minutes, but no room for Kaz to take further part in this race. And Fernando Alonso is obviously, I mean, he's in the rhythm. He knows where the dry and the wet bits are of the track. Far better because of his uh, familiarity, I would say, to keep the uh, to keep Alonso in that car. I think so too. He actually said to me uh, at the moment, was it last year? One of the best phrases I've heard for driving in the night. I think he did a quadruple stint or wanted yeah, to do. And he got out of the car and described the beauty of driving in the rhythm of the night. And you just imagine, afforded that amount of time in the car, find your pattern, find the form, you're becoming accustomed to endurance racing. And I just thought, That's, that is lyrical. And yeah. it's in your second language. You know, so Indeed. That's off. So the number seven Toyota comes in from... Sixth place still, Jose Maria Lopez gradually catching Bruno Senna in the fifth place rebellion. But the weather conditions are changing. And the last sighting we had of the weather radar was full violent colour. It was yellows and reds. When we have blues and greens going across the screen, it's not too bad. So yellow and red, that looks like it's enough to take us through to the end of the race. So uh, slightly concerning for, for those that aren't uh, really struggling in the wet. It's getting wetter and wetter all over again. Dr. Wolfgang Ulrich spotted in the Porsche garage yes. a little while ago. and uh, Smiling. Very happy with, with, with life. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, although I'm sure part of him misses 
not being directly involved in uh, these endurance races, particularly the, 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 the tricky nature of this one at Spa-Francorchamps in a very changeable weekend. Uh, Pierre Fion also part of that conversation with Gerard Neveu, which continues on. Uh, just trying to work, just trying to judge the mood of that uh, conversation, generally speaking. They're down at Porsche. Are they concerned? Are the Porsche GT team concerned about uh, their championship, potentially? I'm pretty sure things can't be wrapped up this weekend, but I'm going to have to now go uh, and uh, take the shoes and socks off and work out exactly where we sit as far as the manufacturer's title is concerned. Obviously, Porsche well-placed after their Le Mans victory last year. Yeah, just taking a little look while you're doing that, Johnny. And uh, in the GTE Pro class, Aston Martin still leading. And in fact, Maxime Martin stretching his advantage over BMW racing, racer Nicky Katzberg. 11.6 seconds, another three and a bit seconds back to James Collado because Michael Christensen has pitted from third place. What are you doing on the scoring, Johnny? Have you got an answer? Um, well, they had a 100-point lead coming here to Spa. And you can pick up a 25 and a 39. Uh but they're, they're double point scores for each, depending on where your car's finished. Oh, yes, of course. So 39 and, what did I say, second place was at Le Mans? <laughs> uh, I can tell you. Uh, no, you. You can tell yourself. I'll probably, yes. <laughs> I can find it for you. That would be good. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to work this out straight away. 38 and 27 plus the extra point, so 39 and 27. Okay. Uh, 59, 50, 60, 60. Six points, I reckon, then off, on offer, um, but that's still not enough for Paul, for Porsche to be caught. Uh, yellow flags, in fact, a safety, safety car, car with snow on already on its yeah, roof. Amazing. Forty-one minutes remaining, and I think this might be the final roll of the dice. Mm, well, snow right. again, back with a vengeance. So we thought maybe we may stay dry to the finish, but with forty minutes now still to go, the, the snow has arrived and big style I mean it's about as heavy as it was during the last safety car period well as I said when I saw the, la the last time I saw the, the, the weather radar it was yellow and red all over the screen much more violent weather in fact that is now sitting right on top of Spa but I would suggest with enough to, to see us uh, through towards the end of the race the, the pace of the cars has suddenly dropped away yeah with, well, obviously it would behind a safety car but uh, just in the lead up their lap times are starting to tumble away again and the roof of the pit building completely white with snow. Snowy rain, sleet, we have had the lot. But uh, already, just in the space of no time at all, in the space of literally 90 seconds, totally treacherous around La Source. Cars even under reduced pace behind the safety car, struggling not to aquaplane. And let's just have a little rundown. At the moment, leading the race, the number eight Toyota. Leading, having just come out of the pits since Gabriel Aubrey got it right or wrong time-wise. The 38, Jackie Chan, DC Racing, Orica. Or is it Pastor Maldonado leading in the Dragon Speed? Orica, we'll have to check with that. But certainly Aston Martin Racing leading GTE Pro, Maxime Martin. And uh, Ricardo Pera leading mm. in the number 77, Dempsey Proton Racing car in GTE Am. Yes, that's quite a turn-up for the books in Am, because I, I don't remember the 77 leading at any point uh, no no nor do i haven't uh, looked constantly Obviously, we've had a long spell where clearwater racing were out front courtesy mainly of matteo cressoni's pace tf sport have had a go at it and team project one i think led 
a few laps too, and the Aston Martin number 98. I, th- I have a little little feeling that a couple of those teams just scrambled for the pits. Yeah, TF Sport have just rejoined the circuit. They're in- listed in second place in class in Clearwater Racing, so I think uh, both of those teams have possibly jumped at the wrong moment. Yeah, maybe so. Right, the way we sit at the moment in GT, I still haven't worked this out, but I'm going to kind of think out loud. Porsche are uh, fourth and fifth right now and they lead the championship and Ferrari who are 100 points back are where on the road third and eighth positions of course it'll change again I'm sure in the next 40 minutes yeah don't look away from your screen might change on this lap true because with this oh uh, one of the Porsches is off that's the Gulf Racing Porsche Mike Wainwright has had a moment which is very easy to do in these conditions. I'm not sure whether another car was involved. He's done very well to get the car off uh, turf that will be wet through and actually does a very good job not bringing anything, any mud or stones back onto the track either to make the route out of Fania any more treacherous than it was. But it is full on snow now as one of the helicopters which is present from the Belgian Air Force uh, is getting covered in snow in the dark green of the Belgian Air Force but uh, that's steadily turning white with this amount of precipitation credit to the particularly to the prototype drivers to keep these cars on the straight and narrow with so much moisture beneath them and the risk of aquaplaning is very much there don't forget that once this race is done When it's done, whether that be in the next five minutes or the next 36 minutes, uh, that's not the end of our race coverage because we will hand, we will go straight into post-race tech and uh, a good 30 minutes of that, just chewing through the bones of exactly what's happened. Mike Wainwright's had another whoopsie at the end of that lap, and that was at the bus stop chicane. I just, want to for gears. just want to clarify something. Yes, I wasn't sure if the, the pit stop was just very badly timed for the 38 Jackie Chan DC racing car. Yes, it was. So that promotes Pastor Maldonado into the lead for Dragon Speed. Seventh place overall, leading P2. And he's sitting, uh, how far clear? 36 seconds clear of the G Drive Racing Aorus. So suddenly looking very good indeed for Dragon Speed to grab a big handful of points. 36 minutes and diminishing. Uh, the remainder of this six-hour race that really has had it all. It's been some fantastic racing, but we have had everything bar heat stroke at Spa-Francorchamps. Just to reiterate, it's only two and a half degrees. There'll be a lot of very cold and rather miserable people, but they're watching something extraordinary unfold in front of them. But uh, can't be sure we'll get to the end of the six hours because this is, it, don't forget, it is now uh, five minutes to seven in the evening at Spa-Francorchamps. One more hour of light, and the driver's driving around the circuit behind the safety car right now. Must be thinking there's only about five minutes more of light because it's really very, very gloomy. But just to reiterate, it has changed one way back the other. Not so long ago, the lap times were falling. Maybe ten minutes ago, maybe five minutes ago, they were falling. And suddenly, the umpteenth arrival of more precipitation, this time in the form of rain. Safety car back out. It was six minutes ago, it was pretty much that the safety car was deployed. Uh, and riding high on a helicopter overlooking the circuit. There's actually quite good visibility from up high, so maybe it's not going to last for, for, forever. This, uh, well, what should we call it? We'll call it sleet at the moment. It's, it's vacillating between 
rain and the edge of snow, but uh, certainly a lot of precipitation. And the latest look at the weather radar, more on the way. It just keeps sweeping in from the west. And I certainly don't see a big enough gap for this circuit to dry out. Visibility actually lifting, or the sort of, uh, not the visibility for the drivers. They're getting face full of spray wherever they go, even behind the safety car. But certainly, uh, if you're standing away from the circuit, looking away from the circuit, you might think visibility is improving. But the cars come past, they uh, spit all the spray up into the air. And so much water sitting on the circuit. Really very difficult indeed. But the thing that always has to be added to this is the fact it's very cold indeed. Below three degrees and trying to keep heat in your tyres. That's why we're seeing a lot of people going around, not just because the track's wet, but because their tyres are offering so little grip. Johnny's so, latest, latest safety car, thank you for talking for that length of time. <laughs> it enabled me to do some scribbling. Um, yes, Porsche's currently running fourth and fifth. For that, they will get 22 points. And the Ferraris are third and eighth. They will get 19 points for that. So, new totals... Porsche will move from 227 to 249. Ferrari from 127 to 146. That will be a lead for Porsche of 103 points. And there's only 66 on offer at Le Mans. So that will give them the manufacturers, the constructors title in GT. And that is officially a world championship because you have to have a minimum of four different manufacturers. We've got five in this year's title race. And Porsche had done it with a round to spare and considering that that round has uh, increased points on offer too. That's amazing. Hurrah. Tremendous effort for them, yeah. Free road cars for commentators. I think that's uh, at the very least that should be offered considering that you've got the contract for the safety car. I have one of those. Yeah. Looks great in any weather. And Yannick Dalmas has done a tremendous job to keep it on the straight and narrow. We haven't seen any drifting yet from Yannick but there's still time he's not allowed to do that until the final half hour oh, I that's see. three minutes away ladies and gentlemen yes indeed it is yeah it depends how bored he gets out front there and how confident he might be in the conditions that are constantly changing at Spa a Toyota leads the rest of the field by a lap and Fernando Alonso neatly placed again to take maximum points that will put Toyota uh, in front and into an unassailable lead as far as the team's championship is concerned. Toyota Gazoo Racing, remember, as a team's championship, you can only score via your best-placed car, but a win will give them 25 points and put them out of reach from Rebellion, from SMP, from Bicolis and from Dragon Speed. And the sight of Spa-Francorchamps from above so so different from quarter past one this afternoon oh dear. the Labra competition car at the wheel at the moment of number 50 I think is Erwin Creed yes it is running last in LMP2 has just come out of the pits and just had a little rotation that seems to be the modern way because I think drivers honestly can't believe that they're just getting so little grip even out of brand new tyres and just worth reiterating one lap on from when you last came round behind the safety car there could be more water where you just don't expect it to be just over half an hour remaining. Cars out on the circuit, windscreen wipers going, and with good reason. And if we should get a restart, I sort of think we will. It's, again, going to be just a wall of spray. But don't forget, every restart we have is getting further into the evening, early May in the Ardennes. So visibility is going to be harder and harder to come by. So the safety car is uh, waving through the GT runners to... Uh, Get them out of the way. And, of course, the number eight Toyota leading the train. Fernando Alonso at the wheel. A lap clear of Thomas Laurent. 
in the number three rebellion. Then come the two SMP racing BR1s with uh, Alice Sheen ahead of Sirotkin and then Bruno Senna fifth in the number one rebellion and uh, the number seven Toyota that also had this race under control until a sensor problem lost its six laps in the pit garage is a lap further back in sixth overall. Best of the rest is leading the P2 class Dragon Speed entry Pastor Maldonado. Looking for any signal, pass around obviously is now being allowed. Yes. The signal came out uh, a few seconds ago. We saw the first of the cars being way through. The banks of the circuit, even under the trees, there is sitting hail. The ground is white, even beneath the trees. That shows how hard it came down. Yeah. And for these drivers, they've been on tiptoes uh, for all sorts of reasons through the course of this race, but we're not done yet. Half an hour to go. And sensibly, a lot of the spectators that had accumulated uh, close to those trees huddled beneath them now to try and shelter from the earlier rain Riley Cross track uh, coming along nicely at that event on the 11th of May the next round of the World Rally Cross track which will see some loose to the left of Eau Rouge in the direction of travel and then they'll head up Eau Rouge to a, I think a sort of hairpin bend and then come back down Eau Rouge in the opposite direction no it's a loop the loop actually is that right do the loop the loop and then come yeah. back down okay so uh, fully upside down Make sure you get enough speed ahead of that. And then, uh, yeah, back down the other side. That's almost akin to the old spa that uh, used to get to Eau Rouge and then turn sharp left and go along, uh, go along the valley, I think, before coming back again right next to the red water and then turning left and heading up uh, up, up over Radion, exactly where that, uh, where that part of the track still lies to this day. All the drivers who've competed here this weekend will uh, certainly log this one in their memory. 100, 100, 100 drivers? We had 33 cars. We have 102 drivers spread across the 34 cars, and uh, none of them would have raced in these conditions before. They'd have done rain at Spa, those that have raced here before. It's a sort of a given at some point in a race weekend, but this hasn't just been rain. This has been heavy, heavy rain. But more than that, it's rain that's arrived from nowhere. Mm. It doesn't just start gradually. It comes bang in with in with an absolute hit and a minute after it started pouring it's at full storm level so it yeah. really has been difficult not just for the drivers but for the teams to try and predict how fast the track's going to dry out or more to the point how soon they're going to be hit by another heavy uh, drop of rain safety car still leading around the clock counting down 28 minutes and 20 seconds remaining of this six hour race and the visibility is suddenly a whole lot better it is yeah it's brighter so again but whenever we're treated to a helicopter shot you get up above the spray but it is suddenly a whole lot brighter into the final half hour. Well, it becomes clearer again why we're persisting with this. Although one of the Toyota signs is almost covered with ice, uh, like it could be the middle of December, and uh, you're at a you're at a rally event. I mentioned rally cross. This is more akin to rallying in the forests. Um, but there must be a reason for continuing to run around here because there is predicted some improvement in the weather we might get 20 minutes of racing maybe only 15 minutes of racing it will be a shame if it came down to a five minute dash because i don't think that's in the true spirit of this event but there'll be a reason why eduardo freitas is hanging on here for the last possible moment rather than flagging the race early yeah also another thing you really uh, really wouldn't want is uh, is is 
literally a, a two, two, two lap sprint to the flag because you'd have winners and losers, you'd have spinners exactly. and those who are knocked off exactly. and then the six hour race not. Johnny is very, very pleased. There's a graphic up on the screen that Johnny, talk us through the graphic. Well, I'm pleased that the World Endurance GTE Manufacturers Championships, as they stand, tally with my calculations, scribbled on the back of a stamp, pretty much. Uh, 249 for Porsche, two, uh, 146 for Ferrari. And as I say, with only 66 on the table at Le Mans, that is another unassailable lead. Very similar to Toyota in the team's championship. Gazoo Racing set to outpace Rebellion, SMP and the rest of them in the team's championship. But the view into the distance may still be a little bit misty. However, locally, visibility is fabulous now from the overhead shots from the helicopter that circulate around Spa-Francorchamps and can see all the way down the valley towards the village at Spa itself so there's no reason from our perspective not to return to racing, just the sense of the lack of grip beneath these cars and well the, the old argument is if you get racing cars going back at full speed that will clear the water an awful lot more quickly than they would behind the safety car but Eduardo Freitas will be absolutely aware that even though it might quickly provide a line with less water than anything else anybody who doesn't get that bit of circuit slides out over the edge of the circuit will have almost like double double lack of grip if you see what I mean almost like a double negative because it, all the water is not being cleared from uh, the curbs and beyond anybody yeah. who slides out and let's face it around Spa many opportunities to do just that so they've got to be very very wary and any grass around the circuit with all the snow and rain we've had uh, through the course of today it's absolutely treacherous riding down the hill with another to eight Toyota past the old pits little stream on the exit going across the circuit on the exit of La Source just as the cars go straight down through Eau Rouge a little drier than it was when we had Bruno Senna uh, going for that spin up over the crest at Radion, but then you get to where the spray is at its very, very worst, which is after Radion running up the Kemmel Strait, where just by dint of being between two massive banks of tall fir trees, you get so much water hanging. What's been good in recent years is they've trimmed the trees on the right-hand side of the circuit, drivers right as they go up the hill, because otherwise that really kept the water in there. They've got new growth of uh, trees on the bank there. I tell you what, if you've never been to Spa, well, A, what are you doing? Get there. And B, when you're there, go for a walk around the circuit. Mm. There's just so much to see. And you might think you know the circuit. You've seen it on TV. You might have walked around the inside. But some of the infield tracks are really good now. Beautiful paths. Stunning place to be. But you just get a feel for how it was proper countryside, original landscape. This wasn't made for racing. Well, it was. But it was only made for racing by the insertion of the track or what is just fabulous fabulous landscape but also when you walk along the Kemmel Strait you suddenly realize oh looking over there to the right is the return leg from Speaker's Corner down to Puon and without sort of looking and studying a track map you don't realize yeah where you where you are in comparison to other yeah. corners I suppose and, and it's great it, if you're up high at Speaker's the fact you can suddenly see a flash the, the Ferrari's going up the hill through Blanchimont and yes. then you can see them you know, up at, up at the top of the hill, you can see them going down out of Curve Paul Frere, etc., etc. And the reverse from when you're standing high on top of the pit building, you can see many points on the circuit. Also, the loss of grade, and you'd really have to walk the track to do this, so make sure it's not a live session on at the time. Um, the, the walk down towards uh, Rivage, Brutal as it's called now, look over to the right, and you're looking at down a cliff face pretty much, and the amount of loss of gradient in that small bit of the circuit from the top of Lecom down to Speaker's Corner is just phenomenal and needs to be walked to be, to be believed. I can't think of a bad circuit that has gradient. 
no, no. The more gradient you can throw at the circuit, the better, as far as I'm concerned. It's the uh, it's the third dimension, isn't it? And uh, very much needed, I would say. Uh, there's lots of runoff here, and Spa is far more forgiving than it always used to be. But then again, there are the odd corners, like Campus, like the exit of Le Com, which are very unforgiving because you drop a wheel off the, the, the kerb and you're straight in the gravel. I understand why La Source has been modified and why the area around Eau Rouge has been as well. And back in the good old days, that used to be just grass virgin photographers right on the edge of uh, Eau Rouge, I think. Um, there is much more margin for error now. Puon too. Some say it's been sterilised somewhat, but uh, Fernando Alonso grateful for the amount of runoff that was available to him earlier on and fessed up to that mistake, a rare one from the two-time Formula 1 champion but uh, nevertheless he got away with it, was backwards briefly and then I think had to contend with four heavily flat-spotted Michelin tyres because the pace in the number 8 car was just not there when it was trying to chase down the 7 and then the 7 came in with a major problem, a sensor failure which needed to be located before it could be fixed. I think the fixing of the problem was relatively swift. Wave by continuing, or at least I hope it is, because there was some overlapping of cars then coming out of the source that time around. Toyota continues to lead by a lap over the rebellion of number three, Thomas Laurent. OK, here's one, Johnny. Cars are going around in behind the safety car. Let's call it four-minute laps, just over four-minute laps. We've got uh, just over 21 minutes remaining. Yep. That's five laps at this pace. Yes. But what pace could they achieve if the safety car pulls off? I That's think they might be treated to a couple of laps sprint at the end. But it's okay. still, as we look at the car turning into a it looks like it started raining again. For a while, we've just been looking at the spray coming off the safety car, but I sense, well, windscreen wipers would be going on the... Race leading number eight, Toyota. Fernando are not so looking around inside the cockpit. Again, just looking for any signals, any points where there's a bit more water, a bit less water, where he could make good his escape all over again. You have to sense that uh, sitting in the lead of this race, a lap to the good, he hasn't got too much to worry about, but he doesn't want to drop the ball again, doesn't want to have another spin, as we saw early in the race. But uh, will we get racing laps, proper racing laps, not safety car laps, before we reach the end of this race after six hours? We've got 20 minutes remaining. No sign as yet the safety car's going to pull off. A shame. 20 but and a half minutes to go. Still looking for your discussion topics for post-race tech, which will take place after the race is done. Hopefully there'll be some racing between now and then, but we wait and see. I'm also aware that one or two cockpits in the LMP2s are getting very misted up indeed, so visibility an issue even before... Uh, you're actually outside, if you like. The screen's troubling the drivers. And then you've got the spray to, to the spray to contend with as well. But, yes, going back to the original point, if you've got questions about post-race tech uh, or discussion topics to raise with us, then at RSL underscore studio is the tweet that you need to address that to and just include the hashtag SPAPRT, SPARPRT. Plenty of those questions and queries coming in already. And looking for your Spirit of the Race awards as well. Uh, for a variety of different suggestions for Spirit of the Race. Something that will be announced on Wednesday night during Midweek Motorsport between 8 and 10 UK time. But your vote's still being received at this stage. Hashtag Spa SOTR. Spa SOTR for the Spirit of the Race nominations. Now, 
if we did go for a sprint finish, that's not necessarily going to affect the overall leader because I'm sure Fernando Alonso will take it nice and easily out front on the right tyres, fingers crossed, and can just uh, ease it home with a lapse advantage over the rest of the field. Could make the battle for privateer LMP2 honours, though, rather interesting because the gap is 13.4 seconds behind the safety car. That suggests that the Tom Laurent driven Rebellion is quite a bit further up the road on the sa in the safety car train. Yeah, Tom Laurent is second on the road, and then I think we've got a, 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 a clutch of GT cars next. Yes, we have. So the Aston Martin, probably of, of uh, Maxime Martin. James Collado not very far away, but the third-placed car on the road is the SMP Racing, or the third-placed third car on the, on the screen, rather, is not the third-placed car on the road, Michele Loshin in the number 11 machine. So that's probably unlikely to change, at least from the off. Nice little visual there, just as uh, the safety car was leading Fernando Alonso's Toyota through Rouge and up over Radion, the last of the train, the 34th car, was just turning into the bus stop. Okay. That's, that's sort of a guide to how far apart they are, but yeah. you know, slightly irrelevant, but you never really know until you get a visual. It's very rare to be able to see that much of a circuit in one go, so it's very yes. good we have. But is the, is the weather getting lighter? I think it is over on the uh, top left of screen as the cars go uh, through Les Combes at the top of the hill, but we've got 17 and a half minutes remaining. My big concern is that nothing is going to upset your championship, championship points tables, Johnny. <laughs> well, we <laughs> you worked hard and long. True. I'm, I'm always happy to do a bit of recalculation if it means we get more racing, though. LMP2, if we do get a restart, far from decided, because Pastor Maldonado, only mere feet ahead of Jean-Éric Verne, Nicola Lapierre right on his boot lid, and also on the same lap, Gabby Aubry for Jackie Chandisi Racing. So Dragon Speed, G-Drive, Tech, and JCDC in with the chance of certainly a podium and possibly a race win. In GT Pro, we haven't quite got all the cars on the lead lap, but having completed his 123rd lap, Maxi Martin leads Pro in the number 97 Aston Martin from a Ferrari James Collado. Ricard Leitz in his Porsche and Michael Christensen in the Porsche as well. And then there's a bigger gap back to the BMW in fifth place. So there must be cars between Christensen and De Costa. And safety car in this lap. I just suddenly noticed Fernando Alonso dropping back to the extent that Thomas Laurent nearly overtook him as they approached the bus stop chicane. But safety car in this lap. The lights off on the roof of that. Snaking away, accelerating up uh, towards the very end of the lap. It's still the Toyota in front waiting for the signal. Round campus they go. So it wasn't the bus stop chicane, it was the earlier pif path. So that, that is where the lights went out on the safety car. And immediately, Fernando Alonso started weaving, weaving very hard, trying to find the driest bit of the circuit to get the most traction from the tarmac to put the most heat possibly. So we look so we'll restart with just over a quarter of an hour remaining in this race. And that pace has just picked up behind the safety car on the previous lap, so conditions clearly improving, Johnny. So... Uh, Let's hope everyone can keep it on the black stuff. It's going to be difficult. We've still got the full quotient of 34 cars. All 34 cars have started, and hopefully we'll get all 34 to the finish. But for Fernando Alonso, he can dictate the pace of the getaway. He's already dropped the hammer, pretty much, and he's left Thomas Laurent way behind him as they go out of uh, Blanchetmore. So he should be safe and dictate the pace up into the bus stop. Right then, 
how much unravelling is necessary in the LMP2 category. The GTs are closely bunched. Fernando Alonso needs not to do anything stupid on these final few laps, and I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to the limit in the number eight Toyota. We're underway then, on to lap 133 for Fernando Alonso. Uh, and Tom Laurent is in second position. Down the hill they go with 15 minutes left on the clock and there's nothing between Tom Laurent and Fernando Alonso in terms of track position however a lap separates them on the timing screen just LMP2 led by Dragon Speed G-Drive second Signatech Alpine third just taking a look at what's happening at the front of GTE Pro it's still Aston Martin Maxime Martin just holding off James Collado very close right in his spray and tucked in behind Richard Leitz has been such a star today both the Porsche drivers have been absolutely magnificent when it's at its wettest. None, none of the drivers, apart from Alonso, can see a thing. They're in the spray. It's a question of knowing who you're fighting here in the, in the reduced visibility. Do you have to take a risk or not? I mean, it's very easy to tell a prototype apart from a GT, he says. Uh, but is it a GT? Is it a prototype that's on your lap? Is it a GT Pro car that's on the same lap as you? big questions here and this is where the drivers are entirely reliant on the engineers giving them radio communication as to whether they need to push or whether they need to just take it easy and wait for the opportunity just trying to see where the g-drive racing auras is relative to the dragon speed uh, orica very hard in the spray trying to pick them out that's the battle for p2 honors at the moment Fields started to slightly string out again. Those at the back of the pack really suffering in the spray. Drive-through penalty for car 91 for causing a collision. Third place, Richard Leeds. Porsche in pro. Goodness me. So a drive-through. What collision was that then? Oh, that was the one where he spun the Ferrari. Do you remember the... We had yes, the, yes. Uh, the Giancarlo Fisichella Ferrari, yes, right. 54. The car was given a blow. We saw it at the nose of a Porsche. You, you Great memory. Well done. Yes. Well, we've had a lot to remember this race. <laughs> I know. Indeed, so the 91's going to have to come in. The battle for the lead in pro, though, well and truly alive. James Collado all over the back of the Aston. He turns in much uh, earlier into Stavolo corner than the Aston. That suggests the Ferrari's quite a bit more manoeuvrable, but the straight-line speed is definitely in the hands of Maxim Martin. And the gap goes from four car lengths to five to six to seven car lengths. I'm sure it will come down again in the braking area. But turning in, hoping that the tyres will grip, is James Collado heading up towards the bus stop chicane. The rain lights flashing from the Aston Martin up ahead, hard onto the brakes, and the gap does come down. So the incident earlier on involving Giancarlo Fisichella's Ferrari and the number 91 Porsche, judged to be the fault of the Porsche. I think we probably could tell that at the time, frankly. And the 91 will have to come in for a drive-through as a result. Dragon Speed leading LMP2. Just want to confirm that that's still the case as Pastor Maldonado streams across the line. And his Orica 07 then puts another lap in the book. And he leads the Auris of Jean-Éric Verne by 3.9 seconds. Was that the story at the start I of the previous I thought that was the start lap? of the I'm still waiting, okay. waiting for them, I think, my screen to update. Me but, too. Uh, certainly we've seen... Quite there a few it images is. of the G-Drive. It's more or less 3.9. It's 4.2 seconds, in fact. So edged out very slightly. Pastor Maldonado ahead of Jean-Éric Verne. What about the gaps behind? Well, if anything, they're growing. Back to Nicolas Lapierre in the Signatech car and Gabriel Aubry in the JCDC machine. And pussy footing around the circuit. Well, you would 
I'd call it that, but they won't because they're right on it. James Collado still trying to hunt down Maxime Martin, the AF Corsa Ferrari number 51, catching that 97 Aston Martin all over again. Red flag. Red ah. flag has been thrown. Around, so we had just a t- 11 and a half minutes remaining on the clock. The red flag has been thrown. Can't see a particular incident, but clearly just decided it's too wet. I'm sure there is an incident to go with that. We'll wait and see, but I'm sure that will be the race done and dusted. There is a radio message okay, now. Uh, red flag, red flag, red flag. Car 8, please slow down to 80 kilometres an hour. I know it's race. Car 8, please slow down to 80 kilometres an hour. There will be no cool-down lap. All cars will be driven directly to Parc Fermé. All cars will be driven directly to Parc Fermé. There is car confirmation eight, from Eduardo car Freitas that that eight, is the race called. Car 97 and car 77 will go to the pre-podium ceremony. So I apologise, there is no pre-podium ceremony. There is no pre-podium ceremony. So it is another victory for Toyota, another victory for the number eight car, and that will give them the team's championship to Toyota Gazoo Racing. They're all high-fiving down in the garage. Also, of course, that gives points and maximum championship points to drivers Alonso, Nakajima and Buemi. They came here with an advantage of 15 points. The next question is, how many points do... Lopez, Kobayashi and Conway get because I'm pretty sure in that championship for drivers it also includes the drivers from LMP2 as well yes Will Stevens, Jordan King Domin- uh, David Heinemeyer Hansen are included in that as well so you have to put well the car is in 6th position anyway and only has LMP1s ahead of it but it's going to be 6th place finish for car number 7 for sixth place you get eight points for a win you get 25 that's actually nine points for car seven because of the pole position yesterday of course as well and interestingly now on our screen the number eight Toyota of Fernando Alonso being shown to stop I don't think that's correct I think it's basically because the car was expected across the line much earlier than this but the red flag has delayed it somewhat and good call because the rain has suddenly turned back to the edge of snow all over again. It's down to two degrees flat, and that is why uh, Eduardo Freitas doesn't want them to do a, a, a cooling down lap around the circuit, doesn't want the risk of any further mileage. So the cars go up to La Source and they get turned around and then they enter Park Foamy just on the exit uh, of the Grand Prix pit lane. So slightly muted end, but really good job done by Toyota, but I would say actually a good job done by pretty much every team and driver in the field. Some of them guessed wrongly on uh, which way to go on the right on which compound of tyres, but predicting the weather was key today. But also really good solid driving performances. I don't, you know, conditions today on a circuit like this were prime for failure rather than success. And now the sleet has turned to proper snow. What a day it's been at Spa Francorchamps. And uh, I think all the drivers involved will really remember it. But every single driver would have had a twitch that could have been one second away from uh, them dropping the car and making a fool of themselves. But up and down the pit lane, Aston Martin, very happy with life. And Maxime Martin took the class victory. Alex yeah. Lynn comes out and he's not even wearing a jacket. It's snowing, but he's just won the class for Aston Martin Racing. Again, worth stressing, Johnny, that how in the GTE Pro class, manufacturers went up the order, down the order. 
and Aston Martin at the end. Really good run from Maxime Martin. Alex uh, Lynn taking that victory. James Collado hot on their heels uh, until that final lap, but uh, really gave it a go. We saw him trying to nip up the inside, but just didn't quite have the traction to do the job. But uh, the fact we've we've got probably 30 cars coming in without a drop of uh, without an ounce of uh, damage to them is a, is a True. phenomenal phenomenal yeah. performance on a day like this. Uh, many people remarking that exactly that point uh, uh, on Twitter about we've had so few offs, some of them as a result of contact and just you know just plain racing regardless of the conditions um, but actually falling off the circuit because of losing control of the car uh, been very very slim in, indeed so all credit to the drivers involved for keeping things on the straight and narrow they have had experience of driving in horrendous conditions over the years in places like Fuji and Shanghai I suppose we never did get to the sort of monsoon conditions but snow is bad enough and sleet as well at times so congratulations for everyone else just just getting to the finish really um just looking at the screens there, Johnny, just to see what's happening with the uh, number 91 Porsche. Still listed in third place uh, in the GTE yes. Pro class, but if they had a drive-through, that normally yes. gets put across to a 30-second um, time added. Yes, because Porsche will argue that they were they had planned, planned to do that stop, but they ran out, out yes. of race because the red flag was shown, so that will be added as a race, a post-race penalty. Um, I've done, again, a little bit of quick mathematics as far as the drivers championship is concerned Alonso Nakajima Buemi came to spa with a 15 point advantage over Jose Maria Lopez Kobayashi and Conway that extends to 31 points now and there are 39 points available at Le Mans so it's still not quite decided if the eight car doesn't finish and the seven car wins Le Mans we may well have different champions but they are certainly team champions and that is Toyota Gazoo Racing labelling themselves as world champions we were questioning whether it is technically a world championship uh, but it's as close as they're going to get in this particular season anyway and as I say an unassailable lead now for Toyota Gazoo Racing after victory in this race Rebellion will score points for second position and congratulations to those driving the number three car so Thomas Laurent amongst that gaggle, Gustavo Menezes also and who's their teammate? Is it Johnny? I can never remember which way round the uh, rebellions three. are. In number three. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, it's Menezes Beton. Oh, no, Beton, ah, that's of right. course, who's yeah. the recent Who took over, of course, outing. from Matthias Besch. Right, so Tom Laurent, Gustavo Menezes, Nat Beton get points for second position in the race. And third place overall goes to the number 11, SMP Racing BR1 of Michaela Loshin, Vitali Petrov and Stoffel van Dorn. So Jensen Button might be kicking himself now that uh, he is, uh, quite rightly, staying at home with a newborn in the Button family and therefore staying that side of the Atlantic, but misses out on a podium as a result. And Stoffel van Dorn will probably think this whole World Endurance Championship lark is very easy. Yeah. Get a podium first time out, no trouble. He uh, likes the way they introduce every single weather type, though. That's, that's a thing that maybe other championships could go yes, for. Yes, yes. Well, one or two people have also said on Twitter during that race, can we have uh, four seasons in one race for every WEC round? I think that might be quite tricky to arrange in Bahrain, Bahrain, where we well, go. I suppose to you could have sandstorm and um, yes, flake yeah, of frogs. Certainly, uh, a, a, a blustery conditions. Uh, no stranger to Bahrain and the desert, where we return to in December of this year. Remember, 
although it's technically next season. So there we are. Uh, a race completed and we nearly got to full distance. We're about three minutes away from the official chequered flag time. So cutting things short by, what was it, 10 minutes in the end? There yeah, or it was 11 minutes to go, I think. On the OK, clock. there we go. 11 minutes still on the clock. That's and a good uh, stab. Uh, well over the 75% marker. So fair play to Eduardo Freitas. He gave it as long as he could. Uh, but with conditions not set to improve, visibility down to virtually zero, and cars at very close quarters indeed, I think that was the, the best option, really. Uh, a reminder of uh, what happened earlier on with the number 95 Aston Martin. I don't think I ever saw that uh, incident in full, but uh, it was the racing team Nederland Delara cutting across its line and then braking at where the prototype would normally break and basically forcing the Aston off the road into an already damaged tyre wall because we'd already had the number four car go off into that uh, yellow and red tyre area with the advertising uh, board just in front of it. So no wonder Nicky team was a little aggrieved at that movement from Fritz van Eerd. Something made my little antennae start to twitch and you said about Jensen being at home with his newborn I thought I thought he was racing in the Super GT event at Fuji and he was he finished on the podium oh no really for Team Kunimitsu so you I know was, hey what I comes given, first I was given a bomb steer on that then because uh, we had discussion during midweek motorsport this past week and uh, the fact that that story had been covered in a previous episode of midweek motorsport that um, family that's called perpetuating <laughs> yes if you say it enough times it a becomes the truth or whatever that means well I knew there was a Super GT race this weekend hadn't realised that Jensen was part of it a, th- a third place did you say third place so he's, that was uh, where Fuji at Fuji so where's that put him in the championship probably right at the fairly pointy end fourth place uh, fourth overall there you go. Um, I assume Jensen will be back for Le Mans with SMP, assuming no clash in Japan. Um, right, lots to chat through. Uh, I would say, why not start post-race tech a little bit early, seeing as we finish the race 11 minutes early. Let's crack straight on then with post-race tech. Still taking your discussion topics at RSL underscore studio. Make sure you include the hashtag SPARPRT. We'll speak to you in a moment. Radio Show Limited Production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com. Midweek Motorsport. Wednesdays at 8pm. News and analysis. Speculation and debate. Special guests and our resident experts discussing the whole gamut of motorsport. Formula One. Sports cars. Touring cars. Rallying and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on 